Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. It's been a busy week in the media. We have a lot to get to, a lot to establish, many big guests in attendance. I do want to introduce our first guest who's with us right now, uh, a very popular guy, a very talented guy, has lived quite the life, and uh, best-selling author. He's written several books. He has written for several different news outlets. Um, Doug, Doug Giles, you're back, back with us. I'm excited to have you here. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, kind of how it all started for you, kind of like a bio, you know, a brief resume, all that good stuff. Oh, my God, Rory. That's a, that's a soup question. Uh, so, anyway, I'm a redneck from Texas. and uh, Texas, the great state of Texas. Love it, man. Great republic. The, the only, best. The only state that was a nation before it became a state. Right. Anyway, yeah, so uh, born and raised in West Texas. I uh, started doing drugs around 12, started dealing oh, around wow. 16, you know, marijuana, cocaine, LSD, mostly wow. the hallucinogens. I uh, had no inclination of ever getting my life straight. Uh, <laughs> all I wanted was sex, drugs, fast cars, rock and roll. And, I hear you. Uh, yeah, so at 21, God had some other ideas, and he freaking yeah. blocked me, and he drugged me into his fold. And I uh, can't say I was a little bit apprehensive because I thought, Christians, eesh, I don't want to be that. I don't want to walk around in a cardigan. I don't want to sit around and, and say nice things and clutch my pearls when somebody says something evil. And uh, so anyway, um, that started a magic carpet ride in God's kingdom that has just been mind-blowing. Roy, anybody who says, you know, um, uh, Christianity is boring, it's like, well, you're doing it wrong. You're absolutely doing it wrong, because if you follow the God of the universe and that 30-year-old rebel from Galilee, you better hang on tight to your saddle, because uh, it's going to get real gnarly. And uh, so from there, you know, I, I started doing radio, I started doing TV. And uh, I didn't want to. Everybody just dragging me in to hear my story. And then I just start writing books. You know, I get pissed off. It's like, hey, I want to write this book. And all of a sudden, boom, it starts circumnavigating uh, the globe. And then the next thing, I, I launch a blog, and it turns into 280 million page views. I've got a beautiful Sicilian wife who loves me still after 37 years. I got two apex predator warrior chick daughters, Hannah Giles, who destroyed Acorn with the undercover videos showing uh, Obama's claim to fame, giving loans for whorehouses for underage sex slaves from El Salvador. And her and O'Keefe brought that thing down to Chinatown. And my other daughter, when she's 18, launched the company Girls Just Want to Have Guns and uh, made six figures until until Air Zuckerberg, uh, Rory, decided that of she's- Of course, he always interferes, he always interferes. Yeah, she's persona non grata and it cost her her company and um, so, so wait, what happened? What happened there? He what, what did he do? Close down the accounts? Oh, yeah. So, you know, uh, same thing happened to me in October 11, 2018. And everybody's like, well, that's just sad. And it's like, well, here's what you need to realize is that we had two million people on our Facebook uh, page, Rory. We had a we had a Facebook reach of 10 to 20 million people a week, not a month, not a year, a freaking week and just blowing it. My wife's calling me. <laughs> you gotta love it, man. Love it. Hold on. Stop, Mary. Honey, I'm doing an interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what's uh, what's wild is uh, they came after us because we were too fast, we're too furious, too funny. You can't have that in uh, in the liberal world, you know, right. mitigated speech. 
And so on October 11, 2018, they came after, I think, 300 different uh, au courant, very effective uh, publishers and uh, yeah. cut us off. I can't even go on to Facebook. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm banned for life, and, uh, which I take as great pride. You know, I should put that at the top of my resume, you know, instead of hide it from the public. Because uh, I want those people to know that I'm on their flipping radar and we are your enemy. And yeah. uh, you might try to nip us in the butt every now and then. But we're also going to expose you tooth, fang, and claw 24-7, 365. Because you're an enemy of this thing called freedom. And if there's anything that anybody with a lick of sense, Rory, on this great terra firma should appreciate, it is the principles of liberty and freedom, which again are solely in particular part and parcel of the God package for mankind. It's also backed up by the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the Declaration of, any, of Independence. And, and if anybody doesn't get that, I don't have the time, patience, or crayons to try to further explain it to you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and I want to ask you, what kind of stuff were you saying on there um, for them to ban you? Obviously, getting factual, conservative, you know, information, right? Which they don't, they don't, want, they don't want that sort of right. stuff. It's only the liberal agenda is what they abide by. And if, if any sort of ideology that has to do remotely with Republicans, you know, is spewed on these platforms, especially people with a large following, they immediately get rid of these people because they don't want these people influencing the masses. We all know this. Yeah. So first, we were very effective with memes and just hilarious memes. Like I would drop a I would drop a meme and and for it to be shared 40 million times wasn't a big deal. I right. mean, just very good, very effective. We were just right. reporting. Now, again, I'm a smart ass, so I throw little elbows in there, and you know, juke and jive a little bit just to have fun, kind of like a cat has fun with a mouse before it eats it. But there was right. no, there was no, you know, overt cursing. There was no strident homophobia. There wasn't just this deep, dastardly, you know, Islamophobia. We would just report, and one of the one of the things that got us banned was ABC News. Uh, they saw a Facebook instant article that had BMW that was advertising on Clash Daily because we were just crushing it, brother, just absolutely crushing it. Had the demographic that loves Beamers and stuff, so they come in there and boom, spot well the BMW ad onto a column that we did that I purposely told our writers, like, look, man, dial down on the any kind of rhetoric, just do straight reportage. Because Angela Merkel, who was like, yeah, I let all the Muslims in Germany. Yeah, come on in by the millions. And we're not right. going to see if you're a flipping terrorist or nothing. Just come on down, baby. Because we're paying back everyone because of what Hitler did, you know, 70 years ago. So anyway, so there's this massive influx of Muslims. Like there's a massive influx of illegals in Texas right now. Right. So anywho, uh, we just did a straight report of Angela Merkel getting accosted by a Muslim terrorist, him screaming, you know, Allah Akbar. And that's all we did. We just reported that, just like I told you, except, right. you know, and uh, they said that's Islamophobia. And boom, that's when the first hit cut, or, or that's when the first hit came. And so our, our income went from like a million dollars a year, just with that one little tattletale, little wussy ABC News reporter. It went just one article. Uh, Rory, from a million to four hundred and fifty-four thousand dollars the next year. Wow, they cut it. They cut it. Oh, yeah. That's more. That's more than. That's more than fifty percent decrease. Wow. Oh, and that's a hit, buddy. 
and, and everybody's like, what are you bitching about? It's still half a million dollars. Like, well, I would still like the other half that we worked our butts off for. Thank you right. very much. You know, so, and then the next year was 120,000. And, uh, and so we're still, we're still going. We got a million page views a month because I'm not going to let us let them put us out. Cause when truth social hits, you know, it, you know, hopefully the pendulum comes swinging back with the vengeance roaring and uh, all the money, all the business aspect, all the influence, all the power, all the moxie, all that stuff comes back in black. And um, <laughs> God help the, the, the speech police, because we're going to we're going to trounce over your skull again with these principles. Rory called Constitution, sure. Bill of Rights. Oh, I'm getting emotional. The Declaration of Independence. Yes. We're not going to take this crap from that half-dead carrier pigeon in the White House. I'm talking about sleeping. The wax figure museum can't count to four, can't form a complete sentence. He's got dementia. The guy doesn't even know where he is. I mean, it's right. ridiculous. And yeah. you bring up a, an amazing point. You know, when we report the facts or when we post something that's that actually happened, and, you know, if it has to do with Islam or it has to do with anything that the left, you know, you know, it, 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 you know, it's ridiculous. It, we, it's like we we are um, completely disciplined and punished for telling the truth, for just, re, you know, repeating the news. And I had Robert Spencer on here a couple days ago, very talented guy. And as you know, he's the head of Jihad Watch. Uh, he's pretty much the, the leader in, in Islam research. He's banned from every platform from talking because he talks about the actual ideology behind Islam and how it properly cannot assimilate into Western civilization. It just can't. And anybody that tries to think Sharia law is all right or should be normalized is absolutely out of their minds. I mean, we see what Sharia law does in foreign countries. It, it's, it's, it's disgusting. It's anti-women in every way. It's anti-human. It's anti-rights at its finest. And, um, you know, it shouldn't even be a discussion. It really shouldn't. You know, it, you know it, it, it's sad that these groups are exempted from criticism on these social media platforms. Meanwhile, Christians can get targeted all day long and nobody bats a damn eye. Yeah, if you're a, if you're a conservative white Christian male, you're the flipping antichrist in, uh, in these, you know, uh, these days of declension here in the United States of liberal acrimony. Uh, what I find interesting is like, you know, what's the worst thing a Christian's going to do to like uh, uh, some homosexual that they disagree with as far as right. you know, coupling choice? Because and... <laughs> overseas on Sharia law in the Middle East, yeah. you know, what they'll, do? they'll throw them off the damn roof. That's what they do yeah. in the Middle East. Yeah. Go down to Mexico and you're freaking hanging, you know, from a bridge and stuff. The worst thing a Christian yeah. will, will do to like... Um, uh, say Elton John or the worst advice that a Christian will give to Caitlyn Jenner is, Hey, would you like to come to a Mike Huckabee conference with me? And here's a, my pillow, uh, for you to sleep on it and give me your answer in the morning. We're not going to hang you off a bridge. We're not going to blow up your house. We're right. not going to do any of that stuff. But if you say anything about Christians on Facebook, they're like, hell yeah. And they pump up the post and it gets like 10 million likes. Man, you say anything about uh, Danny Pearl getting his noggin lopped off by Al Qaeda? You talk about anything you know that's going on uh, in the radical Sharia law world? 
It, ooh, man, they'll turn the thumb screws on you, P to Q. It, it's this victim mentality. It's this PC culture. It's this, you know, it's like the rules don't apply uh, to these terrorist groups that are responsible for a lot of the world's problems right now. It's you like, how, how do we, and, and we all know what this is about. It's about influence and dark money from these foreign entities that are giving to these tech companies because these tech companies are not pro-America. They are globalist companies. Everybody knows that. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. So that's the only thing I could ever think of is why, you know, if you say anything about them, you're immediately either suspended or banned, you know, that, and then, and stuff in that sort of nature. Yeah. Well, their heads wedged way up George Soros's ass. And so yes. Anything that, that, that creepy, uh, octogenarian doesn't like, then again, you know, Zuckerberg is his step and fetch. All these yeah. other guys, Bezos, step and fetch, and they're trying to uh, turn America into Venezuela. But it takes Rory, uh, factual, loud, in your face with grace type voices like yours and like mine, yeah. uh, to keep going, to keep uh, uh, <laughs> crying foul when we see it, to call a spade a shovel. And right. call bullshit bullshit, no right. matter who frames it. I don't care if it's Mitch McConnell yeah. or or uh, David Hasselhoff. I'm I'm a heat-seeking missile to greatly offend somebody with truth, common sense, and logic who's yeah. against the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the Declaration of Independence. And Doug, our our founding fathers would be appalled right now. They would be disgusted. They they are rolling over in their graves that our borders are wide open. Uh, that we are coddling, you know, s second, second class, third world ideology religions. Uh, the right. fact that we are basically interrogating Christianity at, at any chance people get, that's what they do. That's their target. And we all know why people target Christians. You know, the, the biggest threat right now in, in the eyes of the liberal media is the white Christian conservative. Because, you know... That, that that's their easiest talking point because they get their all the minorities all riled up they talk about white privilege they talk about all this bullshit and they don't want to actually focus on the real facts and the real you know terrorist stuff going it, it's so backwards yeah you know what though man i think that the more that you know the left and biden his acolytes and aoc and the squad and and the dipsticks at CNN and MSNBC. I think the more, uh, Rory, that they, they yarble on yeah. and talk about, ah, this is what's really bad with the country. Everybody's like, no, it's not, you dumbass. The open border is what's really bad about yeah. our country. And people, and people keep, you know, this is the most ignorant part of, of this entire narrative, is that people on the left try to say, well, they come here for a better life. I get that. I understand that. I respect that. But what nothing, about all nothing. the people waiting in line? What about all the people waiting in line legally to do it properly? What a slap in the face to them. All these people that just come on over without any permission, without any documentation. And it's not just people from Mexico. How do you, why do, why do people think these terrorist attacks keep happening with Islam? It's because there's all these loopholes at their southern border that people from the Middle East can get into. It's not okay. rocket science. And people need to really focus on that sort of narrative more and really understand the severity and dangers of this issue because the southern border is not just people from mexico it's not just people from 
you know, Southern, South American countries. Yeah, it's way more than that. It goes so much more. So it's, it's, it's so massive. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, I think, 170 plus OTMs other than Mexicans that have come through our southern border. Look, man, I live three hours off the Texas border. Yes. And I can tell you, like, I hunt a lot down in South Texas and deep West Texas. Yes. Rory, it's a, it's a freaking third world country. I haven't seen it this bad uh, since. Let me, let me think back. Oh, yeah, when Obama was president. But it's, it's on steroids now, though, brother. Right. And, you know, when, when they try to sell us, it's just dreamers, Rory and Doug, that are coming over that want a better life. And then we um, see adults. Where are the kids in these videos? It's no, mostly no, grown no, adult no, men. That's, that's, the, that's the troubling yeah. part. Right. Here's, here's the thing is that that little girl who's eight years old, she ain't dreaming about coming to the United States because that's not her daddy. That's a sex slave uh, operation right there. And yeah. so Houston, Texas, Roy, frickin' Houston, Texas is ground zero for child slavery, rape, you know. And, and so here, here they are talking about, you know, critical race theory. Yep. And uh, I'm talking about stopping the border, stopping inflation, stop spending money, uh, stop with your stupid... Uh, CDC, you've lied to us, Dr. Fauci mandates and lockdowns and vax and jabs and all this other stuff. I guarantee the majority, the vast majority of people, whether they're uh, center left, apolitical or never Trumpkins, they're wishing to God that Donald J. Trump was back in the saddle again instead of that half dead carrier pigeon who sniffs kids. Yeah. Can you believe we have a pedophile in the White House? Can you believe that? Did you ever see that day coming? I mean, and people, you know, want to turn a blind eye, especially people in his party, to all the videos, all the photos of him touching little kids, fondling women's breasts in plain sight. We're talking in the White House, in the Capitol building. I mean, this guy, he's sniffing women's hair, you know, literally like dry humping them. I could go on and on. I mean, it's all over the internet, people. You guys want to accuse Trump of all this nonsense. Right. It, it's mind-blowing. It really well, is. Maybe. And we all know that the Democrats love to accuse what they're guilty of on the other party. I mean, that's just what they do. It's, it's you right. know, they've been doing this for years. Yeah, it's, uh, it's part of Sololinsky's Rules for Radicals. Yep. You know, <laughs> prop up a quadruple standard, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but, that's a, but again, here's the thing, Rory. This is a phenomenon. I've been uh, I've been schlepping this third rock from the sun for 59 years now, and it's something that I've never seen. I've never seen stadiums filled with college students saying, let's go, Brandon. There is there is an awakening that's happening. I mean, look at Rogan, you know, not to say that he was right. you know, in the shadows and not, uh, right. you know, ardently following what's going. But he he loathes that kind of uh, draconian yeah. uh, overlord you know, regulatory type aspect of right. what Biden and them are doing. So you got Rogan, you got frickin' Russell Brand. Yeah. And you got college students by the hundreds of thousands just going yeah. to all this stuff. I think it's I think it's beautiful, man. I think it's great. I mean there's people that are waking up and starting to lean conservative that I never thought would in a million years. I mean, people are realizing that the Democrat ideology is getting more and more ridiculous and absurd every single yep. day. It's like the yep. Democrats try to push little by little more and more insanity in terms of legislation just to see what they can get away with and what their sheep are actually going to believe and normalize. I mean, we I, I predicted years ago 
that the left eventually would normalize pedophilia. And now we already have leftist professors at these colleges right. talking about pedophilia as being a, a properly, you know, n- you know, acceptable sexual orientation. Disgusting. Yeah, this is yeah, disgusting. This, this, uh, the, pro- the professor you're talking about, he's not just talking about some pre-pubescent, maybe pubescent teen. He's talking about having sex with a one-year-old baby. Yes. And it's like, who are we to judge? Like, I'll freaking judge it right here and now. You're right. a sick son of a bitch. Nobody I mean, look, in their right mind would yeah. even get on TV and postulate about the possibility of normalizing something that's reprobation. Right. You know? And all the bathroom usage. I mean, you know, like uh, they can pick what bathroom they go in. They can compete in all these different sports. It's mm-hmm. like. And, and, and the party of science, of trust the science, the Democrats, believe more than two genders exist. I mean, this is idi- idiocy at its finest. Well, you know, I think Bill Mayer summed it up nicely where he said, you know what? I don't want, know what happened to the Democratic Party. This, we went from the party of FDR and JFK to LOL and WTF. <laughs> I mean, when, when, do, when does it end? I mean, are they just going to keep getting more radical? Or do you think they've learned their lesson, Doug? No, they haven't. They're morons. They don't know how to talk but, to us. But, Doug, look at, look at around the country right now. They're lifting, in most places, vaccine requirements. Of They're course. lifting the mask mandates. And we all know why. Election Mid-term. season. This was a joke and a sham all along. And I truly feel bad for anybody who got the needle. I mean, they yeah. got brainwashed by the government by big pharma by all of it yeah i got a i got a buddy of mine who's uh green beret he's a surgeon uh fought in you know various fields of battle and theaters all around this uh blue marble and stuff and um he's he's been interfacing with the texas national guard all these young you know healthy uh kiddos and stuff that were forced to jab by governor abbott at the behest of Sleepy, creepy Joe, and he's seen a spike, man, in neurological disorders. And this is from DMAC. So yeah. this isn't subjective. You know, right. this is just absolute, you know, miscarriages. So here's miscarriages in uh, 2020, miscarriages in 2001. Darby, it goes like this. Boom. It spikes like a hockey stick. You've got neurological disorders in 2020 and 2021, a 1,000% increase from 80,000 to 800,000. Well, I wonder what caused that. I don't know. Maybe the poison, the untested vaccine that you forced on everybody or that people bought because they're now into this mass delusional psychosis. Right. And, and doesn't it drive you crazy that now, after all the damage they've done, after all the lives they've ruined, after all the businesses they've closed, that the data actually comes out and we're seeing some of the dangerous effects that it can have on people? Yeah, the lockdowns. I mean, look at what the lockdowns did. It did Suicide nothing. rates are up. Divorces are up. Um, I mean, you drug, get, you get new, drug use, everything. You get, you get newlyweds that got married, you know, at the beginning of the COVID. It aged their relationship, Rory, in dog years. Yeah. I mean, and, and this, and, and think about what's going on in Canada. You're, you're focusing heavily on Canada. I mean, it's turned into a, a government... A, a Hitler-style government. I've Trudeau. I mean, he's making some of these foreign countries look like angels. I mean, right. the, the the way he's you know putting forth his agenda, the way he's running the show, is 
more dangerous than any leader I've, I've seen in a long time. And we should be very careful and very cautious because Canada is our next door neighbor. And we all know how peaceful and loving and freedom um, ridden Canada was at one point. But now uh, who knows what the hell is going to happen. They're arresting journalists. They're arresting truckers for protesting. I mean, it's all over the place. And now they're going into bank accounts if you're pro-conservative and they'll start taking and 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 taking your assets and completely like ruining you. It's ridiculous. Yeah, not only that, but uh, today, uh, Air Trudeau, uh, he told he told the people that are part of the Freedom Convoy that uh, if they get arrested, they have no other choice if the children are with them than to put the children into police custody yep. and have them, you know, uh, taken to whatever uh, gulag that they have prepared for them. And also the pets. They said, if you get arrested and you got a, you got a dog in your cab, guess what? We're going to take him uh, to the pound. He's going to spend eight days and then we're going to, I don't know, maybe euthanize it or just put it on, you know, the Canadian dog pound uh, .com website. So you lose Fido. That's been your best buddy for 15 years. This yeah. is bullshit on steroids folks. And if you yeah, think yeah. that that Barry Gibb looking, uh, uh, Canuck has anything good in his heart for freedom-loving people, then you're full-on nuttier than a squirrel turd. He's a beta male. His wife bosses him around. I bet his wife uses a strap-on. I guarantee you his wife runs the show. His wife wears the pants. His wife, I mean, th th that man, I mean, how do we make men men again? You write about toxic masculine. You write about, I mean, we need the alphas back. Too many betas. There's too many betas going on right now. Yeah, I think um, like if uh, if you've got a, a guy and a girl and they've got a little boy, a wee little boy, and um, he's the XY in the family, uh, you got to do three things. Number one, uh, keep him away from public school because they hate masculinity. They yeah. hate it. And yes. you'll, give your, you'll give your son to uh, uh, something that's governed by the National Education Association who thinks his masculinity is toxic and he'll be with those man haters, those misandrists for eight hours a day. So that's number one. Do not let Caesar raise your kids cause he'll turn them into Romans. All right. Uh, number two, try to keep him away from uh, pop culture and social media as much as possible. Get him into hunting, get him into fishing, get him into farming, get him into trapping, get him the hell outdoors and just Agreed. breathe in the great, you know, mountains and swamps. And that's what we did with my two daughters. And uh, they can run circles around most guys. And uh, number three, if you're going to take your kid to church, don't take him to some hipster church with skinny, uh, skinny jeans, big screens and smoke machines. Take him to a place where you can find uh, a pastor that puts out meat and potatoes. Got a good John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, Steve McQueen type vibe. And don't put him in some little woke evangelical church because they also hate masculinity. And that's one yeah. way to take your kid, you know, from uh, from a boy to a man to where he's a provider, protector, hunter and hero under God's governance. Agreed. Agreed. And before you go, I want to get you back soon. I love talking to you. I think you're an amazing guy. So talented. Uh, tell us about this new book. You have a new book out, right? Yeah. Psalms of War. Uh, prayers that literally kick ass. You know, Christians are chewing their fingernails now that Biden's wrecked the country and what a, a scant. 13 months is like, oh, what do we do? The rapture must be around the corner. Help us, Jesus. Like, listen, in my book, Psalms of War, I, I take 28 imprecatory psalms. And for the uninitiated, an, an imprecation is a prayer that brings the wrath of God 
on the implacable enemies of the gospel. And so if you see people and if you see uh, uh, administrations, you see groups that are full on spot welded to El Diablo, they're implacable, they're impenitent, Rory, they ain't going to change. Then we've got some spiritual weapons and armor that we can utilize uh, to either see them converted or see them removed from office. Right. And the Bible is replete with these imprecations, but the church, because it's become nicer in Christ, they don't know that they even exist. Right. And so what I did, I did everybody a favor, it shot to number one in 24 hours. It's been number one for going on four months. Sadly to say, Rory, today it dropped to number three. Uh, people are buying them by the crate loads and they're doing studies around it. These are uh, 28 of the 109 imprecations that are in 150 Psalms. And Christians need to get off their ass Quit whining about how bad it is and launch these spiritual tomahawk missiles into the heavenlies and watch what God does to the powers of darkness and those that are in collusion with uh, Lucifer. I know. I love it. And we, and we really need to restore God in schools. We need to put back Christianity values, you know, in this country, because in, re in reality, the principles that were founded upon, you know, in, in this country's history we're, we're Christian was Christianity. I mean, that, that, that's what it's about. I mean, this is, this is the land of the Christians. I mean, we, this is how we, you know, do things. And the fact that there's so much toxic ideology out there and it, it's gone so South and it's been completely interrogated is, is very sad. And it's very troubling because, you know, people need faith. People need God, especially during times like this. Yeah. But then again, you know, you hear you hear the chants, let's go, Brandon. Now, that might not be in the book of Matthew, but the underpinnings for that rebellious notion against the Marxist radicals that are in 1600 Penn Ave, the same place where Bill Boinked Monica, are being loathed. They, they're being uh, just absolutely ridiculed by a whole swath. I think there's going to be a great awakening uh, this year, and I think next year there's going to be a lot of arrests go down. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. And what's your prediction on that? Who do you think is going to get arrested? Oh, I have dreams, Rory. I have dreams. And it's everybody that comes to the forefront of your frontal lobe when you ask anybody who's got any kind of semblance of, of liberty and freedom. I'd love to see Fauci get put away. As far as I'm concerned, he straight up looked in the freaking camera and lied to millions of people, shut down businesses, put little kids that are not at risk, barely at risk at all, and did all kinds of weird kind of, again, delusional mass psychosis type bullcrap, saddled the whole planet with this spirit of fear. In the meantime, had contracts with Big Pharma and was covering up for the uh, NIH and uh, the Wuhan Weezer Lab. And uh, just, you know, how can you do that? If you did that, if I did that, dude, we'd be in County Orange waiting to go to the federal pen, you know? Exactly. Exactly. But he, you know, again, so who knows, man? I know Jim Jordan. He said, listen, if we win the midterms, if China doesn't vote in the midterms like they did in the general election 2020, then we're going to go poking around. We're going to have a little look, see, Rory. And maybe some of these these people that treated us poor rubes in the flyover states like we're their little step and fetches. Maybe we'll see some indictments and maybe their dumb asses will be thrown into prison. I sure hope so. And before I let you go, tell everybody where they can find your other books as well and connect with you. And we'll yeah, get so you my, soon. 
Yeah, so my hub's uh, Doug Giles, G-I-L-E-S dot org, and you got to check out my art. My artwork is, we got to do an art show one of these days. It's a great topic. But DougGiles.org, you can find all my books, my podcasts, and my artwork. And thanks for having me on, Rory. Stay rowdy, buddy. Absolutely. Well, really a pr- pleasure, and uh, thank you for being with us. And we, we will be, we'll be right back, and we'll definitely get you back soon. Right on. Um, everybody, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, we'll be right back here in literally about uh, one minute, and I'll be coming back with Richard Battle. Uh, big, big, big day on the Rory Sauter Show. Stay tuned. And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, coming to you live from Palm Springs, California. We have a busy show, a great show planned for you. Uh, I want to get to our next guest. Uh, we have Richard Battle, who's with us right now, a very talented, very popular guy, has lived quite the life, has written many books, has done a lot in, in many different realms. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, my friend, your first time on the show. Rory, thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and all your audience. Absolutely. Uh, I'm a reformed business executive, speaker, author of eight books, media wow. commentator, uh, been a longtime civic and nonprofit leader in Texas and around the country, so a jack of many, many trades. I love it. I love it, sir. Mm-hmm. And uh, so tell us your time you know, in, in the business uh, feel. Tell us about that a little bit. Well, I spent over 40 years with revenue responsibility in uh, disruptive technology, business to business disruptive technology. And so I saw the time frames go from uh, all manual accounting and processing systems to the high technology electronics and technologies that we have today and all of the things that happened with that. And There's so much and change is happening so much faster now than ever before. And our requirements to adapt to it and recognize it are so much greater than ever before. And it makes us all have to be lifelong students 
so that we can take advantage of the best opportunities for us and our families. And Richard, you bring up a great point. You know, you're talking about technology. You know, you worked in that field. And we're seeing now how technology is more advanced, more evolved than ever before. I mean, look at everything we do nowadays. You know, we get our news from our smartphones. We, we go on social media to interact with our friends. We make all our payments on our smartphones. You know, it's like we do everything. And it's like it's coming to a time like never before. It's like and I can only imagine what it's going to be like in another 10 years. I mean, everybody is and it's like the the way it, the way it's going because I build apps for a living. I own a mobile app development company. I've been building apps for about nine years. So, I, I you know I've seen everything. Now I'm getting more involved with blockchain, artificial intelligence, VR, all that virtual reality, all that cool stuff. But kind of explain since you know the time you were in business doing technology to where we are now and where we're headed because I like where we're headed and I, I think it's I always tell people. Technology is the closest thing to magic in existence. You can do anything with technology. Yes. And before I revert back to that, let me just say one of the things that concerns me about the younger generations it's are their the lack of concern about invasion of personal freedom right. and their willingness to share personal information so easily. And yes. that information can be used for good as well as evil. And that'd be my one caution. But when I speak, especially to college groups, one of the things I'll use to illustrate, I'll pull a slide rule out and ask the students what it is. Right. Invariably, maybe only one person can recognize what it is. And I tell them that was my computer in college. Yeah. And, it, and it's as ancient as an abacus was when I was in college. Uh, when I got out of school, calculators were first coming onto the market. And it cost me a week's salary to buy a four function calculator at that time. And so wow. that amazes people. I was able to go to Wait, the how, how, how much are we talking here? Can you tell everybody how much are we talking? <laughs> it, was, uh, it was over one hundred and fifty dollars for a, a four function calculator in 1970s, what year, what year was 1974 oh, wow. era. Wow. So, yes. And uh, so that shows the cost. I mean, you look at technologies of television, how much more expensive television was in those days. Oh, yeah. First, first microwave I bought was in 1980. It was $600 and $1980 when you could buy a car for three or four thousand dollars. Right. So technology drives costs down and that's good. Yeah. And do you think, obviously, now that we look back as as of why these things were so expensive, you know, initially is because they were new to the market. You know, they were they yes. were limited. Not everybody had them. But eventually, just like most things, once once, you know, things catch on and, you know, there's people, you know, build other ways so everybody can afford them. But, yeah, don't you th the main reason, obviously, was was because of that. Right. Well, yes, the R&D to develop the technologies yeah. is astounding and people badmouth capitalism all the time. Right. But without capitalism, we will not have those technologies because right. private individuals and companies have to put their money at risk yes. and basically gamble in development. And there's yeah. only a very small fraction of these technologies that succeed. Most of them fail. And yeah. so I think of things that failed over time as well versus yeah. the ones that succeeded. 
and we look at socialist countries, they do not develop anything because there is no incentive to put money at risk. And all of us want a return on investment. Uh, and that requires capitalism to give us that. Yeah. And Richard, you know, it, it's, I find it humorous and, and, and laughable when people are bitching about capitalism while they're drinking their Starbucks and playing on their iPhone. You know, you've got, I mean, these people are, are the, the biggest hypocrites on earth. It's like the same people that are complaining about capitalism use all the same products that were built by the cap capitalistic capitalism ideology. Well, most of the people who lack the theories haven't had to live in a socialistic system. Exactly. Most of them have not even traveled to third world countries. And Richard, that's what's fascinating <laughs> too, is you have all these people that have lived in these countries and have witnessed it and they, they can't wait to get out of there. But all these people, these ignorant people in America are saying they want it, but they've never lived it. So it's ridiculous. Yes. And I mean, look at the medical technologies that we have. Yes. Uh, when I was in Spain just eight or nine years ago, and I would see somebody pulling a cart with a bag of groceries to their home, <clears throat> and we take refrigeration for granted. But before refrigeration even, people could, couldn't preserve enough foods for multiple days. And so people would have to go shop for meals every day in right. Eastern Europe until the last decade or so, people would spend half a day getting groceries for their evening meal. And yeah. so things such as refrigeration that we take for granted changed lives. And yeah. so many other technologies have as well. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. Yeah. And, and tell, tell us about, tell us about these books. You've written eight books, which is uh, a hell of an accomplishment. I mean, I can't even write one. I'm still working on my first one. But tell us about these eight books and kind of what they kind of cover and what you want, you know, people obviously to take away from it and kind of, you know, all the all the different ins and outs. Well, thank you. And I never dreamed of writing one book, but it's it's my, it's beyond impressive, I must say, man. Eight eight books. Jesus. They're all based on life experiences and things that I experienced that I've I found through teaching others that those particular lessons were not available in other formats. Yeah. And one of the things that's so important once you go through a certain area of life is trying to share things that help others learn without having to experience, especially failure to learn right. life's lessons. Right. And so everyone is based on experience sales book based on a career of executive sales management, uh, grief book based on the loss of my son, uh, unwelcome opportunity. I went through a divorce, two heart procedures and a cancer diagnosis in right. 10 months and trying to share oh, wow. Wow. lessons learned with others to help them. And also everything, all these eight <laughs> books are just like different experiences that you've been through that you're shining your light, kind of giving your insight just on how they can deal with it better, how they can resonate, you know, with a similar story, similar background, stuff like that. Yes. And, and I hate the term self-help because I don't think that I think we're we all have opportunities to help each other and collaborate. And uh, the four letter word that builds character was about the lifelong lessons learned from being an 11 year old paper boy, which yeah. we don't let kids work today and learn the lessons from work and how 
to respect the value of a dollar as much as even when I was a kid. But I had a personal development course and they asked the homework lesson was what one lesson did you learn from your first job? Well, I went home, I got to thinking and I, I made a list of 14 things I learned that were lifelong lessons that helped me in my entire business career that I learned as an 11 year old paper boy. Yeah. And we can learn from seemingly insignificant events in our lives that are actually life transforming lessons if we think about it. I agree. And, and I think that, you know, it's it's amazing how not enough people understand how much they can actually learn from just the little things in life. You know what I mean? Like there there are so many little things that, you know, you can learn you can learn from and basically pick up on as a talent that a lot of people ignore. Not enough people pay attention to a lot of things that they're actually really good at or think something that may have occurred that maybe could, you know, help them in the future. Do you know what I mean? Like I I, I think I think a lot of people are oblivious and that's sad. And more people need to be open minded and kind of expand their horizons, if that makes any sense. Well, yes. And I, I like to try to stimulate people to think. And there are times in my life when I was in the same situation and didn't really think about it. But now that's one of my missions is trying to share ideas that will help people uh, expand and be more successful in their lives. And just something as simple when I was a that 11 year old paper boy, every week I had to go and collect the fees for the, the papers on my paper route. And it was only 70 cents a week back then, but I had to stand on the doorstep and ask people adults for their money. And I had to try to get new people to subscribe to the newspaper so that I could make more money. And right. just that little lesson about the value of collecting money and paying for the papers and yes. getting the money that was left over, that made a huge impression on me for later in life. And right. too often now we have people go all the way through college who never have a job until they get out of college. Right. And they miss those lessons that you can learn working at a McDonald's or, or working at a restaurant or doing different jobs when you're a teenager. Those yeah. lessons are invaluable for building character. And, you know, it, the, the days of the college, the days of the universities, I think are more and more limited. I mean, and, and I think, you know, with how much student debt is out there, how many college degrees, I mean, you know, no disrespect, but there's, I would say 90% of college degrees at this point are worthless unless you want to be a doctor, unless you want to be an attorney, unless you, but if somebody wants to be successful in business, somebody wants to be, have a good career. I encourage more trade schools. I think trade schools are not, uh, they're, they're just, they're ignored too often. I, I don't think there's enough. I, I don't, I don't think it's, it, it's a, um, I don't think it's highlighted in the, in the uh, certain agendas um, as often as, as it should be. I, I think that it's I think it could really benefit a lot of people in this country and it would keep a lot of people out of misery. It would keep people properly um, disciplined on a good you know routine. And when they come out of school, they're ready for a paid job. And, um, you know, and, and a lot of times when people come out of university, they're looking forever because a lot of times they get these degrees that nobody wants can hire them or wants to hire them for. Well, that, that's exactly right. And one of the things I think so important is any legal work 
yeah. is dignified. Right. And it doesn't matter if somebody's digging a ditch or collecting the garbage or or yeah. whatever. And that's another advantage of having a job as a youngster mm -hmm. is you learn to work with people and do things that it's not the job you want to have for your whole career, possibly. Right. And right. the worst job I ever had was shoveling sludge at a sewer plant part of a summer. And yeah. it was very demeaning, but I got a lot of respect for the people that had to do it full time because that was the best they could do. And I knew that I wanted to become better. And so any job uh, is dignified and we should respect people for what they do. And too often people who believe only a, a college education or advanced degree look down on the trades and other jobs. And that's not the American way because any right. of us can become anything we want at any time in our lives. And it's not right. where we are today. It's yeah. where we become in the future. And each day, hopefully we're a better self than we were the day before. And that's the only people we should compare ourselves to. And, and Richard, we're seeing where we're at right now as a society with technology. And I'll tell you, the, the trade school route, uh, I, like like I said, I, I really think, um, I mean, wh where we're going, it's all technology. So I, I don't see yeah. how universities are as beneficial. I mean, as a trade school, it, it, like right now, I mean, like right now with all the computer science situations, with all the engineering stuff, with all the blockchain stuff, with all the... I mean, it just goes on and on. You know, this was different 20, 30 years ago. You know, obviously college was expected, but it's interesting how time goes on. Dynamics change, you know? Well, absolutely. And just to illustrate with with automobiles, when I was younger, uh, most of the time you would tune up your own car. You change the spark plugs, change the oil and filter. You could diagnose because most everything in the vehicle was mechanical. Well, now every vehicle is loaded with computer chips. And yeah. the way they're diagnosed is with plugging in a computer port to analyze yeah. a vehicle. And it requires a technology for even an auto mechanic. And we right. can't work on our cars as much as we could before. So those particular mechanics have to have not only mechanical skills, but electronic skills to be able to work on vehicles. So it's a much higher caliber training than ever before. No, and I agree. And do you, do you see more and more universities going under and really hurting as time goes on? Well, I think universities, it's become a racket in my opinion. And I just yeah. had a daughter graduate from university uh, the last semester. And what bothers me is uh, it's a self-protection financial racket from the standpoint that when I was in school, they published the tuition rates. Every student paid the same rate. Right. Well, now, because of the national financing that a previous president installed, they want to collect all families' financial data, which I refuse to submit. They want to know your income tax, your income, your assets. And then based on that, they, they'll talk about giving you scholarships. But basically what they're doing is, is they're, they're charging people who have more resources more and people who have less resources less. And so if you've been more successful, you may pay for four or five students uh, in the in the school. And there's a discouragement there to me for success. Uh, and I don't believe that's the way we should be operating in this country.
And it's really, it's become a bit, it's really become a business. I mean, 90% of what we, of what we learn on a daily basis, we don't need in our everyday life, you know, in school. I mean, education, it's about a business. A lot of these different, you know, classes, these different things that are, are being, you know, taught. I mean, it's a lot of it's useless. Well, I think it, it, it depends, like you said earlier, on what people study. Right. Right. But unfortunately, there's there's a political agenda in so many of these schools now with with tenured professors. Uh, and there's a lot of things going on in my alma mater that I don't want to fund because I think they've lost their, yeah. their mission. For sure. To provide well-rounded educations and to teach people how to think, not what to think. Right. And put them in positions where corporations can hire them. They can go into workplaces and have their education supplemented right. versus having companies have to start from scratch. And yeah. I've seen people with the most worthless degrees are totally unprepared to go into the workforce and make the incomes that they expect to make right. because they've not been given the proper background at a university. And if only they taught in school about taxes, about finances, about buying a house, about <laughs> buying a car, if they taught all of that, that would be lovely. But I, and I wish they taught daily life, you know, scenarios that everybody has to deal with when they get older, you know? Well, that would certainly help. But uh, some people don't want us to be independent. Some people want us to be independent on the government. Only, and I could remember want, they back. They want us to be an employee. They don't want us to be our own person. I can remember back that probably the greatest lesson I learned in school was a business management class, and we were asked a question. Yeah. And it was an essay response, and we answered the question and turned it in, and the teacher basically said that anybody that answered the question got an F, and anybody that told him that the question was ridiculous got an A. And the whole lesson was, was that the real world was different than the academic world. And that just because somebody asked you something didn't mean that you should answer it. And right. that was one of the most valuable lessons in school because it was the closest to reality based on what I experienced when I got out. And, and where, let, let me ask you this. I want to just shift a little bit. You know, you're an award-winning, you know, author, you know, you're an award-winning speaker. Tell, tell us about these motivational speeches because I can imagine you, get get people really excited you give people a lot of hope you give people a lot of inspiration well i think one of the things that troubles me today is our country's under attack for our successes yes. and people are being made to feel guilty for however they were born right and versus all of us trying to be americans and be the best that we can be and all of us working to succeed and collaborating with other people and so I try to tell people about historical figures who succeeded beyond what expectations were. I try to tell stories about that. I try to let people know that we all have opportunities to be better. And yes, we're all going to come up with challenges and we're right. all going to fail periodically, but we do not have to listen to the naysayers and relegate ourselves to a life of mediocrity. And I've seen that when I've been in business in Europe and other places where people have just been beat down because of this equality that is a target today where 
if everyone's equal, we're all going to be miserable. The thing that makes life exciting is trying to pursue our individual dreams. Right. And yes, I've failed many times, but I learned a lot of lessons from those failures that have helped me today. And so trying to get people excited about the, their life opportunities and to get them to think about it and that everything they do today can help them today. And they don't have to be successful at 25. They may be successful at 60 or 80. Yeah. So every day is an opportunity for each of us. Amen. Amen. And you're, you're, you're out. You, you make so many great points. I, you know, I, I love it all. And, and I want to ask you, you know, what do you think of, before I let you go, how do you see the market, you know, kind of performing? Cause I know you're, you know, you've been in business for a long time and, you know, just with the record number of people quitting their jobs, obviously the stock market's in trouble, record high inflation, um, gas prices are absurd. I mean, we, I, I, it, we're in a lot of hurt, but your, your, your take on this. Well, first thing is I had a uh, mortgage at 14 and a half percent some years back. Yes. And we thought inflation would never end, but thank God Ronald Reagan ended the inflation. Right. And then people forgot what inflation was, but now we're learning inflation's a tax on every taxpayer yes. and it hits the middle class and lower class worse than anybody because Yep. People that are well off, while you don't like it, you can afford it better than the middle class and the lower class. Right. And what's so sad about the situation we're in now is it is self-inflicted. The yes. government policies are inflicting things upon us that are causing inflation, restricting our energy. Here, the president's begging Saudi Arabia to pump more oil when all we have to do is get Texas and the United States, we were energy independent in 2020. And doing that drives down the price of energy. Energy affects everything that we spend money on. And so all of these things are self-inflicted and that's the sad thing. And when I look back on my life, the, the biggest problems we've had as citizens have usually been government inflicted policies that politicians put on us that they don't suffer from the policies they put on us. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely true. Um, Richard, I love having you with us. A great interview. I want to get you back soon. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can buy your books, get involved, all that good stuff. Well, they're all available on Amazon and other booksellers, and there's Kindle versions and audio versions of four of the books. If they go to richardbattle.com, they can email me, richard at richardbattle.com to connect with books are there. They're all signed. Uh, some of the books are cheaper on the web, my website than they are even on Amazon. So I encourage people to go there. Thank you, my friend. Well, you're a, you're quite the fascinating guy. Keep up the good work. I really appreciate everything you're doing for all sorts of different people, you know, all over the world, you know, you're making an impact and it's uh it's lovely to see. So let's definitely talk soon. My pleasure. God bless America. Thank you, man. God bless America. Uh, everybody, uh, we'll be right back with uh, Dr. Sal G. Stay with us.
And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, coming to you live from Palm Springs, California. I do want to welcome to the show, he's with us right now, we have Dr. Sal G with us. Welcome back, my friend. Glad you're here with us. Uh, it's been a few weeks. Obviously, a lot is going on with COVID. Um, first and foremost, I want to uh, hear what you've been working on, what uh, some of your projects have uh, been uh, consisting of this, these last couple of weeks. Well, thanks for having me back on, Rory. As you know, I uh, work and do a lot of work with the Men's Health Network. This is a not-for-profit organization that looks out for the health and welfare of boys, men, and their families. Uh, and we've been working on some projects that I think have some relevance to what we're seeing with uh, COVID, and that's the mental health of boys and men. You know, we in America tend to think of mental health as a women's issue. Most of the information we see, most of the discussions that come up talk about the, the problems of women and their mental health with issues of depression, anxiety. And it's true that there is a tremendous amount of pressure on women and young girls. Some of it is foisted on them by uh, social media. And yes. we all, we're reading a lot about that. But guys also have problems with mental health. So we at Met Health Network have been looking at this issue. We've been looking at it at the macular, at the macro level. Uh, and one of the stunning strategic statistics is that men are four times as likely to commit suicide as women are. Uh, yet we still kind of perceive uh, in many quarters of, of our country that depression, anxiety is a women's issue. When really uh, suicide is certainly categorized as a, as, a, as a mental health issue. The other thing that we're seeing is because of the, the way COVID has been approached in the in for the past two years that some of the mental health issues are becoming exacerbated much made much worse uh, than we all would have expected right. uh, and i think we're we're now having a second leg of the pandemic which is the mental health pandemic yeah uh, particularly in our children uh, right. but also in guys uh, who suffer more bouts of alcoholism drug abuse uh, and then suicide and depression, uh, yeah. a lot of it undiagnosed. So we've been working on major reports about that. We have a lot of information published about that on our website at www.menshealthnetwork.org. And that is something that, I, unfortunately, unfortunately, I think is going to keep us busy and occupied for, for a while yet. And you bring up a, an amazing point, you know, something that is not pointed out enough. It's not discussed enough that men in this country are the ones that are the real victims overall in my opinion i mean we have to endure the most think about all the all, men have to go to war men you know are more, more likely to commit suicide men are the ones that do most of the hard labor men are the one i mean i could go on and on with statistics but it's like i, I get how the media can paint the narrative that you know the, the female is the victim. I mean, they, they may, it's, it's an easy sort of scenario and, and how men are pigs. And I mean, that's what we hear these days. The war on men is real and it, it's scary. And men are, like you said, I mean, the, the depression, the, the things that it, it just, it's never ending. And then and now we're talking about a pandemic that completely probably made things a million times worse for men. I mean, we're talking, like you said, substance abuse, um, you know, depression, you know, um, like, and I talked about this earlier, divorces, um, everything you can think of are up, up, up. And, and the mental health part of this, 
I strongly believe, and I've been saying this for a long time, is going to be way worse and way more harmful than the actual disease disease ever was itself. Yeah, it's going to have a much longer lasting impact on the yes. overall health and wellness of Americans. And please, when I talk about the guys, it's what it's what I do. Uh, I talk about the effects on guys. That's not to minimize or suggest it's not real for women and women don't of suffer. Anybody, but but I think we have to recognize that guys have a different lexicon, a different language level, yes. a different way of expressing their mental hurt than right. do women. We're much more physical in our ability yes. to, uh, to express it. We are expected to not talk about mental hurt. You know, when yes. you're young, what's the first thing Johnny hears from mom and dad? He falls down, get up, take it like a man. Or we hear sportscasters, I heard in the, the Super Bowl last week, you know, he's playing hurt. What a great, what a great athlete. Right. And it's kind of unfortunate that we built in a anti-health acculturation into yeah. our children in, in America. Uh, that reflects in the mental health issues yes. uh, that we're seeing. Uh, and also, you know, an interesting statistic is the violence against men. Domestic violence against men is about 30% that of women. Uh, and that's, that's certainly, uh, you know, a shocking number to many folks who believe that men do not get battered. You look at man-on-man -man domestic violence, women-on-man -on -man domestic violence, it's, it's there. Yes. Uh, I was talking with a, a gentleman who writes a lot about boys and men and fatherhood. Uh, goes by the name of Mr. Dad. Armand Brod is his, uh, is his real name, but he's published lots of books on fatherhood and health. Uh, and he was talking about the fact that someone told him that there were, and in this, he writes a column on this, someone responded to one of his columns and said that boys, they were doing drills in school about how to avoid terrorist attacks. Right. You know, uh, and unfortunately that places a lot of stress on people. And then he couldn't believe what he was hearing, but the, the approach that this school, school district took was that the boys needed to be in front of the girls so that they would get the bullet first. Yeah. So, you know, uh, there are a lot of things that happen for guys that I think are problematic uh, that put an additional amount of stress on men, whether you look at the economic impact of COVID, yep. the impact of COVID on um, personal finances, on personal uh, ability to work, uh, on caregiving. Uh, and then you couple that with the overall environment and the fact that men just don't talk about their emotional hurt. They right. don't have networks like women do. And it's a real recipe for an upcoming disaster uh, over the next several years. Yeah. And how, how, doctor, how do we, how do we stop generalizing, you know, in society? Because I think this happens too much. I think people generalize and just make this sort of assumption that men and women are supposed to react the same way. But like you said earlier, we deal with things differently and it's like, how do we go about, how do, how do men go about trying, you know, and, and fixing men's issues without being called sexist in the media, without being called all these names. Cause it's like, if anybody tries to bring up repairing, you know, men's rights or trying to help the male community, they're immediately shamed. They're immediately ridiculed. It's, it's all about in a lot of ways, women, and I, I don't, I don't know what happened to our society where it got to, so toxic, but it, it's really, it's, it's scary. 
Well, Rory, I don't know either. It's like uh, a taboo. It's a taboo subject matter to defend men's rights. It really is. Well, it was for a long time. And Men's Health Network and the other organization I do work with, uh, yeah. Healthy Men, Inc., uh, we have seen that visibly uh, for many, many years. It was essentially taboo uh, to talk about. And no politician would touch the issue of, uh, of men, men's rights, whether you talk about men's rights in divorce cases right. or child custody cases. False accusations. Uh, I mean, it goes on and on. I mean, you know, it, it, it never ends. Uh, it's getting better. I, w I will say that. Yeah. Uh, men's Health Network has done a lot by sponsoring Men's Health Month and yeah. their Blue for Men Day and just talking and, and talking. And I think, guys, the other thing that has to happen is guys, particularly men in authority, men who are, you know, in positions to make change, have right. to accept the fact that men's health is important. You know, right. we, we the business world uh, has embraced wear pink, uh, breast cancer awareness. Uh, we have entire months of that. And, and I think that's good. A lot of that was forced by women executives uh, talking about that and the recognition by male executives, guys, that women's health is very important. But what I don't see, I don't see a, a congruent structure where men in the business world or in the commercial entities or women in that domain also look to talk about the importance of male health. And it's not a zero sum game. It's not if we take care of guys, we can't take care of gals. It's just not a zero sum game. So we have to recognize that there are important things that for the health of our families, for the health of our communities, for the health of our nation, we have to get guys to activate their own desire to be in charge of their own health. Right. And tell tell us the damages that the Me Too movement did to many males, because obviously we saw many false accusations. We saw many attention seekers. Obviously, at the same time, there were many Me Too females that were telling the truth, but there were also women that were treating it like a trend and just wanted to get their 15 minutes of fame. So, you know, just in so many ways, I mean, that became a real um, scary scenario for many people. Careers ruined, getting fired from jobs. I mean, and, and you know, it wasn't even due, due process. I mean, it's like somebody said something, the men were gone. It's like, yeah, it, it's crazy. It is very stressful on guys. My grandson, who was entering college, uh, about a couple of years ago, he just, he asked me, Grandpa, I don't, I don't know how to talk to girls anymore. I'm afraid something terrible is going to happen to me. He was on the cusp of starting college, you know, and I gave him the best advice I did, which is try to be gentlemanly and never be alone, you know, right. and that's terrible advice to have to give to someone, yes. you know. Me Too, uh, I think, is an important concept that has very important social merit that Absolutely. women for many years were not taken seriously. For when sure. They talked about some of the terrible things that went on behind closed doors in Absolutely. the business world. Uh, but as with many, many things, we see the pendulum swings to another side and then hopefully it'll equilibrate. But I think that we have unfortunately also seen that some government entities have made it very, very difficult for men to get a fair shake so that the what i think was an aberration of the me too movement was the presumption of guilt as opposed to the 
the general legal standard that has served this country so very well yes. and served many civilized countries, which is the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. And we don't see that, for example, in colleges. And I think this was uh, this was something that was tried to be reversed under the prior administration, which was reinstituted under this administration, where uh, accusations of, uh, of wrongdoing uh, by guys on women was accepted at face value that the woman was believed beyond any shadow of a doubt and due process for the guy doesn't exist. They were just ostracized. So that's just an open field day for abuses. And I don't think that we should think that women uh, are any different in the potential to cause uh, to, to do bad things than guys. I mean, right. we, we all do bad things and we have good right. players in, in blue and good players in pink. So I think that we need to look at Me Too, not with a presumption of guilt, but with a presumption of innocence and fair due process. Right. We see that lacking in so much with the cancel culture. Uh, yet again, another phenomenon, if you, uh, if you will, that has poked its head through uh, because of the COVID pandemic, because of the all over-reliance on social media as the, as in many cases for better part of a year and a half at least, the only social outlet that individuals had, particularly young individuals. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I want to ask you this. You know, I want to get to COVID talk here in a second because there's a lot of new updates from the CDC and new data and different different things I, I want to go over. But what about women that lie about rape? What about women that lie? Don't you think they should be held accountable and put in jail? Don't you think ruining somebody's reputation and life, a man, don't you think that, I mean, if a woman does that to a man, don't you think she should pay the price? Well, the same standards that, again, I'll go back to the Because a lot of times, I mean, what we see is if they make up a false accusation, an investigation, you know, could be done and, and it can end up in court. And then the man's life could be ruined and he's found innocent and then nothing happens to the woman. Well, I, that certainly is, happens. I'm not yes. a jurisprudence expert, right? Uh, but I will say that that does happen. And I'll go back to the central premise. You know, there is a reason that the legal system in America has been the shining star for so many other countries in the world. Right. Uh, and what the, the current environment unfortunately fosters is a uh, a accountability lapse in the part of making false accusations For sure. uh, so we have to think more about providing the same legal and social protections for anyone who claims uh, injury whether For it's sure. a woman injuring a man remember 30 percent of domestic violence by part domestic partners occurs against guys we have to accept that you know, for both parties, you can't, right. guys can't make false accusation against women and get off scot-free if it's, it was found to be false and in due process and, and likewise. So I think we have to go back to the fundamentals that our founding fathers of this country so brilliantly and intuitively put in place and are in the law. And we have to abide by those in gender relations as we do in all social relationships. No. Very much agreed. Very much agreed, my friend. And, you know, I, I want to get to COVID. So now we're seeing vaccine requirements not, you know, being dropped all over the country. Uh, they're getting rid of mask requirements. They are. And my only my only assumption for this, 
My the only thing I could think of is midterms. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, in these blue states, they're lifting restrictions. I mean, they're having the Super Bowl in California when it was supposed to be a state of emergency. Hardly anybody was wearing a mask in you know in the in the uh, stadium. I mean, what do you think of all of this with timing? Well, I think some of it is because we have more information now on the the realistic impact that these lockdowns have. Uh, they are not as effective as we would think they might be. Uh, we are seeing the change in the epidemiology, the, the way the COVID virus and its uh, progenitor, uh, these, these mutations, these variants are affecting individuals where it's, it's so hard to, to not accept the changes that are happening. Uh, and I think governors uh, are, and senators, all sorts of politicians and leaders are recognizing that the world now has changed and it's time to change our policies. I think the time should have been maybe a couple of months ago, uh, but I do think that the preponderance of the data now uh, and the, the general frustrations of the public are leading to uh, elected officials who control the, the society's activities really uh, are leading to them to you know do what they have to do, which is get back to learning how to live with the virus as yeah. opposed to having to try and completely eliminate the virus. The other thing that's changing, I think, is that there's a general recognition that there is no zero uh, risk involved in any endeavor. And I heard one physician put it very eloquently. The, the level of risk for COVID now is about the same level of risk as riding in a car. Uh, you know, right. unless you're now, if you're not vaccinated, that changes. And we can talk about that a little bit. But I am a strong proponent for vaccinations. I don't think it should be mandated. I think we as Americans and as human beings have the right to to refuse medical treatments. Uh, and we are now at a place where we have enough individuals who have been vaccinated and are fairly well protected against the, the most dangerous problems with COVID so that right. those individuals who choose not to be vaccinated, I think that, you know, that's a personal decision I would argue against, but it's their decision to make. But that decision probably will not have a huge impact on the health and welfare of others, uh, other Americans or others globally. So I think politicians are seeing that. They also are frustrated. You know, we, we don't always think of politicians as being fellow human beings, but they have got to be frustrated. Right by how it's affecting their personal lives, their ability to do what they do is go out and talk yeah. to the public that they represent. So I think that they're finally getting to the point where they recognize we have to live with the virus and the elimination of the virus is just not going to happen. The third thing that I think happened is that we recognized, and I think the federal government has recognized that control of uh, health issues is beyond the scope of the federal government's ability to. To, to implement, that it has to be a local solution. So do you think that's the reason they stopped counting deaths, the federal government, that reason you just said? Do you think it's they're trying to leave it locally? Well, uh, I'm sure there are more reasons for that because the numbers are, are showing, but I think that they, the, the revelations about the nuances of the numbers that were being 
projected or or given to the to the public have yeah. become public. So you know the we we find now that of the hospitalizations, seventy five percent of the hospitalization reports were individuals who went in with more than one condition. A preponderant, a, a large number of the reports of deaths were individuals who had multiple reasons that could have caused death, and they just also had COVID, which is a contributory cause, but not the cause. The, we also see that, I, I can't remember the exact number, Rory, but I believe it's about uh, 40 or some odd percent, 60% of uh, individuals who were hospitalized with COVID got COVID while they were in the hospital. So, you know, I think that we are learning the nuances of the numbers. Yes. Unfortunately, there are statistics and damn statistics. And I think we've been seeing a lot of damn statistics. But now, because we are an inquisitive nation, because people ask questions, uh, because people stick to their principles, we are seeing some of the nuances to the numbers. And again, the preponderance of that information is driving politicians who are also saw the the top line numbers or the initial numbers to rethink their positions. And now let me ask you this. Why would they lift the mask mandates for the general public, but not for schools? I mean, kids have the strongest immune systems. They are the least vulnerable. Something is not right here, in my opinion. How do you view this scenario? I, I don't know how you justify it. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, aren't kids supposed to be playing with dirt, supposed to, you know, getting their immune system stronger and stronger? I mean, that's the age where they're the most invincible, in my opinion. Well, they are. They are very hardy. They're certainly hardier than this gray-haired old guy. Uh, And they can withstand these, uh, you know, uh, onslaughts of the virus better than I can. Now, there is there are some kids. Yes. We have to recognize some kids that are not as healthy as others. We have children with other cardiac uh, problems. We have children who are obese. We have children who have pulmonary conditions such as asthma, cystic fibrosis, diabetes. So children also have multiple risk factors. And I think for the average child or the the normal healthy child with none of these risk factors, you're right that the potential for for severe COVID infection uh, is, is very low. Some have argued that even though it's low, one of the most difficult things you can impose on a child is a hospitalization. And yes. I will agree with that. I was hospitalized as a child for a couple of things. And believe me, I still remember lying in a bed there with all this going around me and right. not having any understanding of what. And it was terrifying, I will tell you. Right. Uh, so I can understand that concern. But I think we are now at the point where we have sufficient numbers of individuals who are vaccinated. Right. That COVID, the, the new variants of COVID are much less virulent and pathogenic. So we have to, and we have has seen the harsh impact on education, right. social maturation, uh, social outlook, uh, and, you know, uh, and depression, mental, mental health yeah. on these children. And it's heartbreaking. So I it think is- masks need to come off. Kids need to be kids. Uh, parents need to be educated. They should, if their child is at risk factors, they should seriously consider getting their child vaccinated. Uh, and if not, I think that they have to go back to the way healthcare was practiced two and a half years ago 
have yep. a conversation with the child's pediatrician. Yep. Talk with them and then come up with a plan that is specific for that child. One size fits all doesn't work for many, many things, and it certainly doesn't work for healthcare. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, doctor, I always love having you with us. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can find you, um, get involved, all that good stuff. Two places, www.menshealthnetwork.org and then another group, healthymen.org, www.healthymen.org. We have a lot of information there about health issues, uh, what women need to know about men's health, what guys need to know to protect themselves, things, everything from nutrition to mental health issues. So that's a great place for folks to get good, solid, medically validated information. Perfect, my friend. Well, we'll, we'll look forward to having you back very soon. And um, yeah, man, it, it's been awesome having you here. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get you back here soon. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Have a great rest of the weekend. Thank you. You too. Take care. Um, everybody, I'll be right back in about one minute. We've got more guests to get to. Stay tuned on the Rory Sider Show. We are back. The Rory Sauter Show coming to you live from Palm Springs, California. I do want to introduce our next guest. I believe he's with us right now. Uh, we have with us a uh, popular lawyer, uh, very, very popular guys, doing a lot of big things right now, Dan Kovalik. Dan, what is going on, my friend? Uh, I believe you just writ- wrote a new book. You have different stuff going on. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Your first time on The Rory Sauter Show. Yeah, Roy. Uh, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. Uh, yes, I have a book out called "The Plot to Scapegoat Russia: How the, How the CIA and Deep State Have Conspired to Vilify Russia." And actually, it's been out for a bit, and um, it talks about a few things that I think are very relevant now. I mean, one, it debunks the RussiaGate scandal, which I always thought was uh, a hoax, for lack of a, a better word. And I think as time has gone on, pretty much all the allegations. Yeah. have been debunked. And frankly, it, as one person oh, yeah. said, it, it was a scandal with no allegations to begin with. I mean, even if you believe everything that was true about it, it really yeah. didn't add up to much, right? And dude, look at, look at what just came out the other day. Hillary was involved with it the entire time. The whole Russia thing, it was completely fake. It was, and, and there's no accountability. It's just like, imagine if somebody like Donald Trump was behind something like this. I mean, it, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, well, and we know that she was one of the intellectual authors of the Russiagate scandal because she was 
had to explain what she thought was the unexplainable, and that was her losing uh, to Donald Trump. But the other reason that you know that it was hawked by the intelligence community was that you know Trump was threatening something they didn't want to happen, and that was a rapprochement with Russia. <laughs> so, um, and, and frankly, he was he was fairly effectively pressured into not. Um, dealing with Russia, I think, in a more productive way. And now we find ourselves where we're at, uh, which is a very, a very uh, dangerous situation. And of course, that's the main focus I'm talking about these days, and that is the situation in Ukraine, yeah. Yeah. which is a dangerous situation. I don't think the Russians are the ones posing the danger. What I'm seeing and hearing today out of Ukraine, out of the Donbass region, which is where Russian ethnics for the most part live, is that Ukrainian forces and militia groups are launching attacks in the Donbass, as they have uh, periodically since 2014. You know, 14,000 people have died in in this war in the Donbass, which was started by the government in Kiev, which came to power in 2014 through a coup, which you know, uh, the U.S. President Obama and Biden and Victoria Nuland supported and actually helped orchestrate. We know this from some phone calls that were leaked, um, yeah. particularly by Nuland. Um, after that government came to power, and by the way, that the military of that government has neo-Nazis in it. Okay, this is a fact. Yes, they um, They threatened – one of the first things they did is made uh, outlawed Russia uh, to be taught in the schools. And uh, very soon began launching attacks against the Donbass because the Donbass region uh, declared that they wanted to be independent because they were afraid by what was happening. And again, these neo-Nazi groups began to openly in Kiev, openly call for death to Jews, to Russians, and again, began attacking uh, those groups. At that point, once that war starts, it is true that Russia provided fairly limited support to the militia groups in the Donbass, but they were not the prime movers in this. Meanwhile, you had 14,000 people who died in the Donbass and hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians in that region who migrated into Russia, right, out of fear. And now, again, the news I'm hearing today is that there's preparation for another mass migration from the Donbass uh, into Russia. So obviously Russia has a concern here. Why this is the U.S.'s concern, why the U.S. is risking a possible world war over this, Yeah, that's a whole other question to me. And I, I don't think it's justified. I think we're being primed for this. I'm seeing this, of course, uh, in the media. I happen to – I listen to NPR every morning. I mean it gives me heartburn, but it's important to hear what's being said, and they are clearly pushing for a war. There last night I heard right after NPR there was a New York Times radio segment, and they were lamenting that Biden had taken off the table the idea of having troops right. activated against Russia. Although I don't, while Biden has mentioned that, I'm not sure in reality that's off the table, which scares me. But you see this push, almost this desire among some for a confrontation with Russia, even though, again, all of us know, especially us who are older and went through the first Cold War, 
we're very painfully aware that both of these powers, the U.S. and the Soviet Union, or Russia, sorry, former Soviet Union, uh, have nuclear weapons, right? This could be ca- catastrophic. Yes. And we're playing with fire here. You know, right. in, the, in the idea that Russia is somehow playing with fire because they have troops amassed within their borders, at their borders. And meanwhile, NATO has troops up to the Russian border, has missiles in Poland. Right. Could you imagine if Russia or, or a Warsaw saw a pact like group had troops and missiles in Mexico? We, we would go crazy. In fact, the last time something like that happened in Cuba in 1962, we almost had a war over it. Right. So yeah. basically, I'm on the air. I'm going around to various uh, shows like this, and I'm I'm trying to call for reasonable you know, that calling for reasonable heads to prevail on this and, and to step back from what could be a catastrophic war. Yeah. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell, Rory. It could be World War Three. People don't understand the severity of this. I mean, if you get a China-Russia alliance, and, and it's been talked about, they could wipe out the USA. I mean, that's, that's a separate subject matter. But this Ukraine-Russia thing, it's totally unnecessary, and it makes us wonder – What kind of special interest groups are involved? What kind of dirty donors are involved? We all know war is about money. We all know Biden and and Putin. If anybody sucks Putin's, you know what? It's Biden. It's not Trump. Trump was the hardest on Putin. And now we're just seeing all this hysteria. Ukraine, uh, cities in Ukraine are now evacuating. I mean, it's it's getting intense. The military's lining up. I mean, and we all know the cesspool of the military-industrial complex. That's another thing that really bothers me because we all know they're in on this. I mean, there's there's so many things, though, that we don't know. There's so many. I'm just like, what the hell? You have Zelensky came out recently saying it's more safe here than it is in certain parts of Los Angeles and New York City. What do you guys what, – What what the mixed signaling. I'm done with the mixed signaling. I want answers. Yeah, well, we know. I mean, we're hearing from various defense contractors like Raytheon and Lockheed Martin that they think this is good for them. And it is. Their stocks are going up. Of course. Let's money. face it. Money. Money, good money, for them. Money, money, money. And, and yeah. you mentioned the term the military-industrial complex, and we need to mention that. Again, oftentimes people are accused of being conspiracy theorists. The guy who came up with that term was named Dwight D. Eisenhower. And they did that to delegitimize anybody that would question government because they want to look at us like we're crazy. They like want to. It's crazy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No. And But we know that that there are interests that are making money on war. We know that these defense contractors, now that we're out of Afghanistan, need another war. And we're being pushed into this. Yes. And, you know, Biden just, I think he's asking now Congress for another $770 billion in military aid. Again, this will be the largest military aid package in, in, in U.S. history. The U.S. already is spending more on military aid per year than the 11 next countries combined. Russia spends less than a tenth on that. Yeah. And meanwhile, you know, I live in Pittsburgh. You might have seen it made national news. A major bridge just collapsed. We have many the bridges. Day Biden was there. Build back better. The, Build on, back yeah. better for you. On the same day he was there. And, you know, and we have many other bridges that are in serious need of repair, like but money's going out the door on these wars. And the polls show over and over people 
are tired of these wars. They and not only end. money, look at all the lives lost. Look at all the of limbs course. lost. Look at, and you know what really makes me sick and really pissed off is you've got these elites that watch from their mansions while all, all our boys and girls in uniform go out there and fight their dirty work. It absolutely disgusts me. No, these are now wars of the poor, right? Because there's no yeah. draft. And so the people who go to war generally are people who do so through economic necessity. There's very few members of Congress who have any kids who are in the military, right? Um, the elites, as you say, they sit back. They decide who goes to war, but they don't have to go to war. Right. And when you have that system, which is a very unfair system. Right. And that's why they got rid of the draft, because they realized that if everyone was equally uh, eligible or somewhat, because you know, the rich could always get a deferment or something, but there was at least some equality of risk there to go to war. They knew that it was harder to go to war, right? That yeah. makes sense. But now that they can, first of all, with the economy in free fall, with inflation, they know they can recruit people just through economic necessity. And again, the elites who make the rules don't have to go to war. Their kids don't have to go to war. And so war is made easy it's made too easy and that's why we go into these wars of choice and let's be clear if a war happens in ukraine and if the u.s participates it is a war of choice it is not a war of necessity it does not impact the u.s's vital interests and uh i think we should be opposed to it and by the way it's very interesting rory because uh there's been a bit of a switch politically on who you know who supports war who doesn't support war i saw a poll yesterday actually that glenn, glenn greenwald uh showed on twitter that more conservatives say the u.s should stay out of the ukraine russia conflict than liberals now right it used to be quite the the, the reverse but that's what we're seeing you know and again i can tell as someone who like listens to npr uh that it's because it's being pushed, you know, war is really being pushed. And the Russiagate scandal, you know, the stench of which, stench of which still lingers in the air, right? Even though right. it's largely been debunked, most people don't know it, or even if they knew it, they forgot it. But it's still in their mind, Russia bad. Uh, but that, and of course, that was a thing that was really favored the Democrats, and they were the ones that pushed it. So, it, it makes sense to some extent, extent that, that liberals and Democrats would be more yeah. uh, uh, bellicose right. towards Russia. And that, that's what we're seeing. And, of course, now we have uh, Biden in office. And the other thing, let's face it, the other reason presidents go to war is when their numbers are down, their approval numbers are down. Right. Biden's numbers are down. Yep. The economy's in bad shape. COVID, which should have, you know, he promised domestic, domestic distraction. Yeah. You know, COVID's still lingering. He Biden came in. He said, I was going to I'm going to have a national program on COVID to deal with this. He never did that. Now he's saying, you know, everyone <laughs> fend for yourselves. Exactly. So he, he needs a distraction, you know, and that is scary, like that we could go to war in part, you know, not just to to line the coffers of the defense industry, but because a president is on the verge of of losing um, in the midterms. I, I find it very uh, 
shocking and and disturbing. And I I just want people to you know to to voice their opinion. The American people, the polls show time again generally the American people are good on these issues, right? Yeah. They're just not heard and people need to be heard now. They need to call their congress people. They need to say we don't want a war. In Europe. We don't want a world war. Yeah. I mean that's that's my message, Rory. That's it, it, it should be. It should thinking. be. I mean, ultimately, we put these people in office. We're the constituents. I mean, right. we you know we should be the ones that make. You're right, making that decision. I mean, the fact that they have this much power and are putting us in jeopardy and sabotaging our country like this just for profit and for gain and for money and for greed, it's disgusting. It really is. And I, before you go, before I let you go, I want to ask you. What's your biggest prediction with the new revelations and, and things that have been, you know, came out with details involving, you know, spying on Trump's campaign? Trump was right all along. Are people going down? Are people going to jail? If I had to bet on it, Rory, I'd no. say no. I yeah, mean, because I mean, I'm getting, I'm we've getting. Been, we've been down this road yeah. before, is what I feel like. And then well, it's just, you know, different talking points, different news, you know, um, headlines, and then it fades away. Yeah, in fact, I, I see it fading away already. To be honest, I um, yeah. And, so that's, and, and think about this real quick: the mainstream media, CNN, MSNBC, they didn't even cover it. No, CNN covered it for like covered, two minutes. Right. right, it's not being covered. So yeah, I think it'll be um, it'll be swept under the rug. And uh, yeah, no, it's 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 sad. And again, because it's a very inopportune time for it to come out again when people are pushing for a war with Russia. Right. Um, you know that it's more is coming out that that the Clinton team yes. was behind the Russiagate scandal. This is a terrible time for those who want war. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think we won't hear much more about it, Rory. And but, but before I let you go, unpopular opinion that I have, you know, maybe a lot of people don't agree with me. But I think Durham is part of the swamp. I think Durham, you know, I really do think Durham is compromised. I, I don't think anything's going to come of this. I th We've all heard the name Durham for years. I mean, if Durham had this much power, people would already be in jail. I believe that this is nothing more than political theater. That's all I think this is. Um, and I, I hate to say it because I want people like Obama, Brennan, Clapper, Hillary in, in jail locked up. But it's just not in the cards. These people have way more power than anybody like Durham has. Yeah. Well, again, I I, I don't see much coming of it. Um, right. Right. Sadly, and and again, at a time when it would be very important, at least for people to know about it. You know. No, I agree. I agree. Um, Dan, let's get you back here very soon. And what's your biggest prediction for 2022? Um, Pittsburgh Pirates are going to win the World Series. <laughs> I, no, I hopefully we'll have baseball. We're locked out right now, so we'll right. see. But right. I hope, I hope, I'd like to predict peace in the world. I, I don't know if I'm going to get it, but that's that's my hopeful prediction. Now, do you see this Russia Ukraine thing? I mean, do you see other countries getting involved? Is that how you see this transpiring? I, I see the U.S. getting involved. The U.K. I don't think many other countries. You, you see, Germany doesn't want it. You see, right. France doesn't want it. The Czech Republic has denounced what's happening. Croatia has. If this ha if it becomes a, a bigger conflict, I think the U.S. Is, and the U.K. are on their own on this one. 
Right. Yeah, it's going to get interesting. But Dan, tell everybody where they can get your book, where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. So uh, my book is The Plot to Scapegoat Russia. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, pretty much any bookstore, at least have them order it. Perfect. You can find me on Twitter at Daniel M. Kavalik, and I look we, forward to seeing you. We actually got Tony Lyons in the in the green room. Uh, oh, wow, Tony. Good yeah, to see and you, he, pu- he published your book, Sky, Sky Publishing. So uh, that's Sky Publishing. I love it. I love Tony. So that's Sky Hyatt. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay. I love it. Um, but dude, let's get you back here very soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Take care. Okay. Um, yeah. Thank you. I, I do want to introduce to the show. Um, I believe he's with us right now and I, I'm sorry to keep him waiting. Um, we have the owner of right national right to work committee. Um, Mark mix, uh, is doing a lot for the economy. He's doing a lot for jobs. He's, you know, trying to uh, give as much insight to as many people as possible. And uh, he's doing a lot of different things in the field. But Mark, tell us, it's been a while. I I think the last time I had you on my show was my radio show like over a year ago. And, um, but I know, I know you're doing a lot of stuff lately. Kind of fill us in. Yeah, well, Roy, obviously nothing's happened in the last year. There's been no news to talk about at all, anywhere, anytime. But, hey, listen, first, thanks for taking on these topics. I've been watching with interest. Uh, when we tried to get this the last time, you had some great guests. So thank you and congratulations to you for that. Yeah. But, you know, here at Right to Work, we believe in one thing. We believe in liberty and free. Well, two things, liberty and freedom. I guess we can put them in and separate them. But, you know, the whole principle behind Right to Work is that we believe every worker must have the right to join a union. But no one should be compelled or forced to pay dues or fees to a private organization in order to work in America. And that manifests itself in several ways. First and foremost, it manifests itself with liberty. The idea that the individual is free to choose whether or not they want to associate with a labor organization. These are private organizations whose stock and trade is dues revenue. And going yes. all the way back to the 1930s, Rory, you know, you know, Congress said that these, these private unions, these private organizations could get the governmental privilege to have you fired from your job if you yep. didn't join a union or pay dues or fees. That's outrageous. It's wrong. And unfortunately, it's policy. We at the Right to Work Committee since 1955 have been working to overturn that federal authorization, that federal privilege that's been granted union officials. And I think over the course of these years, and we're seeing it right up till this moment in the government school system, in government, and in the private sector, the damage that forced compulsory unionism has done not only to individual freedom, but to the economy as well. And you talk about you know jobs and opportunity. The states, the 27 states that have right to work laws now that protect individual workers and their decision to choose whether or not to associate, those are the states where manufacturing job growth is increasing, private sector jobs are increasing, where workers are moving to, to have opportunities to raise their families and provide for their families. You know, those states, those those old states like New York and Connecticut and New Jersey, those states, those Rust Belt states, uh, you know, that are basically out there like Ohio, they're losing opportunities to states that have right to work laws. So real simple, liberty and freedom. It manifests itself every day and it's an issue every day. It may not be as important as Ukraine and Russia, but right. you know, when you talk about school boards and parents being involved and how union officials are controlling the schools in the country, it's an issue that has something to talk about every day, Rory. And so thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely, Mark. And, and you bring up something very interesting about unions. You know, they've had the mob mentality for a long time in his, in our past history. And, you know, we've seen, you know, what, what um, has transpired in some of these groups. I mean, a lot of it is intimidation tactics. A lot of it uh, is cult-like mentality. 
Um, and you know, it's, it's just, it's dirty. It, it's very dirty. And it, it, it really turns people off, which is why your scenario, which is why your organization and what you're doing is more appealing. It's more, it, it's drawing people in. People don't want to be, you know, unions are, it, it's a very complicated subject matter. It really is, especially the old, the old fashioned unions. But I, I do, I do really admire that you're all you're offering this alternative because the unions have too much power. The old school unions with the and it, and the too much politics got involved. That's another thing. You know, when all these unions were affiliating themselves with different politicians and it was creating all this different crime. I mean, there were so much financial crimes, laundering, you know, um, racketeering. I mean, I could go on and on. We could go back to the days of Jimmy Hoffa. You know the you know it just the uh, what what was the name of the group uh, the 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 one Hoffa ran the, the most popular the union Teamsters yeah thank you thank you yeah. so I mean there, there's so much history behind these unions and it's a fascinating uh, subject matter it really is yeah Rory you know but you've got both the literal and the figurative uh, mob cl uh, you know cl uh, comparison I mean literally the mob controlled a lot of unions and yes. and their tactics are mob like I mean yes. when you can't make a compelling argument to convince you Rory if I can't convince you to agree with me right. then I have I should have no power to obligate you to agree with me yes. I mean that's the bottom line and union officials have used government power and the power and force of government to basically cobble together an organization that will fall apart if they if they continue to rely on government power and not the ability to convince workers to join them voluntarily. I mean, it was Samuel Gompers. He's known as the father of the American labor movement in this country back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Right. In his final speech to the AFL delegates in El Paso, Texas in 1924, Samuel Gompers said the workers of America adhere to voluntary institutions. Anything else is a menace to their rights and will destroy the union movement if union officials try to go to government to get their power. Unfortunately, they didn't listen. In 1935, Franklin Roosevelt, in a threat to pack the United States Supreme Court, granted union officials the unique power to force you to join them and force you to pay them in order to work in America. Nothing could be more antithetical to the individual freedom, the First Amendment rights that, that are laid down in the Constitution of the United States, our founding documents, talking about the right to associate. I mean, Rory, you know this, and anybody that studied any bit of logic or has any common sense knows that in order to have the right to associate, the corollary right not to associate must exist. It's right. logical, but yet we have a government, a government control, a government statutes that say union officials can take your job away from you, Rory, if you don't pay a private organization, you know, 60 bucks a month for the right to work. Exactly. And, and are some of these organizations, do you believe still run and operated like they were back in the day? I mean, do you think it's still overseen by the mob, the mafia in certain in certain aspects, maybe in a more subtle manner, but still, do you think there is still shady stuff going on? Absolutely. Not only not only directly with with organized crime, if you look at the longshoremen on the East Coast, I mean, the, the International Longshoremen and Warehouse Union workers on the West Coast wouldn't associate, wouldn't merge with the, the East Coast unions because the mob was too influential on the East Coast side. But look, you don't have to go any farther back to about a month ago um, and certainly over the last couple of years, you have 12 top officials of the United Auto Workers Union right now 
that are serving time in federal prison because of extortion, racketeering, thievery, embezzlement. I mean, they literally took rank and file union members' money and went to Palm Springs and spent $400 bottles of that's, champagne. That's where I live. That's where I, that's where I live. That's where my yeah, residence well, is. They, apparently, it's pretty expensive to buy champagne out there, Roy. You may not. They, they got a lot of very expensive places here. Yeah. It's your money, not, not rank and file workers' money, but they did that. And the federal government had, had prosecuted and sent to jail the past two presidents of the United Auto Workers Union. The current president of the United Auto Workers is under investigation. The past, the guy that just stepped down for this new guy was continuing to be under investigation. And it might have been, not have been organized crime, but it was organized crime in the sense that these union officials have so much power and they're so unaccountable to rank and file workers because of the compulsion in federal law, they can do basically anything they want. And if they don't get their way, they go to government and government backs them up and says, oh, yeah, by the way, we can, they can force you to pay dues in order to get or keep a job. It's outrageous. We're going to fix it. It's going to take some time. Although we passed five new right to work laws in the last 10 years, we've won three major Supreme Court cases in the last eight years that wow. have get granted workers new rights and protected and expanded their rights and and rolled back union power over their rights in the American workplace. So we'll keep at it. We had a we had a, a Supreme Court case that was conferenced today by the U.S. Supreme Court on behalf of workers out in Alaska. Believe it or not, well, hopefully they'll announce on Monday that they're going to take this case and hear another story, another chapter in the saga saga of this abuse and this yeah. monopoly power that union officials have over American workers. Yeah, I I I, I, lo I love it. I love it, and you know. For the longest time, union workers heavily voted Democrat. Hmm. And now we're seeing a lot of union workers are voting more and more conservative because they're seeing that the Democrat Party is not for the working class like like once upon a time. So I'm wondering your kind of thoughts on the shift and why for so long, you know, what was it, you know, very one dimensional with the political ideology? Yeah, you know, I think of a lot of it, a lot of it goes with just kind of this idea that, you know, your dad was a union member and he voted Democrat. You're a union member, you vote Democrat. But if you look at the policies of the Democratic Party, and, and Rory, when you think about the 2016 election, I mean, Donald Trump could have never been elected president if it weren't for rank and file union members in Wisconsin. Right. right. In Michigan, in right. Illinois, and in. Right. Those places where he actually ran very, very. Yes. You know, securing the borders, reducing the size of government I mean, those core issues i mean you go to you go to texas you drive an oil and you see a pickup truck it says i'm an afl-cio union member and you know try to take my gun but yet democrats democrat politicians have basically said you know look we're going to try to take away your guns the rank and file workers understand this you know union officials have taken about 90 cash they spend on politics spend it on one party i won't tell you who that is or you can draw your own conclusions and it's the very trust of rank and file workers. I mean, if you're an operating engineer and you were working on the Keystone pipeline and you knew that your union and Joe later, you were on the unemployment line because Biden's suspended the work that you were doing. I mean, how in the world can you go back and support that party? Um, and you should hold your union officials accountable. Absolutely. And we also must understand that the Democratic Party is no longer the party of the of the JFK working class or the old school Democrats. It's become a socialist uh, leftist, uh, you know, cult group. You know, I it's, it's 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 and I think that's a lot of the reasons these hardworking labor um, employees are, are shying away from that. And um, I, I do want to I want to ask you this. How has this pandemic affected you know, your workers, your company, you know, what you've had to endure 
that sort of scenario? Well, first of all, from a business perspective, we have a little small business here. We've got 22 attorneys that do nothing but represent employees. We've got some staff there for the foundation. The committee yes. has about 125 employees in Virginia. And yes. Virginia had the most restrictive uh, regulations. I mean, they were number one in the country in restricting our rights to run a small business. You know, we got through it fine. We didn't, we didn't mandate anything on our employees. We didn't ask our employees. We gave them the opportunity to work from home. We did all the things we're supposed to do, clean doorknobs and light switches. And, you know, it was, we did a really good job, but I will say this about that. The, the, the so-called department of labor and industry is now, now announced they're repealing all their restrictions. So back to business and business as usual here. But for employees across the country, Roy, it's a bigger issue. There have been a lot of employees that decided for whatever reason, for their own personal reasons, not to get a vaccine or a jab and not to confer, you know, to comply with mandates that were being imposed not only by businesses and government, but by union officials. We had a couple of professors up in Massachusetts that their union was the one that said they had to get a vaccination or an injection in order to continue working. We helped represent those employees and got their rights back and got them an exemption. There's been numbers, numbers and numbers and numbers of employees who've called our how our 1-800 number to talk to a lawyer about these. And it's a little dicey. It's a little bit off mission for us if an employer is doing this. But when the unions are involved and they're forcing it, that's when we can get involved and help workers. So it's been an interesting two and a half years. We've gotten through it. I think we're on the, you know, the, Rory, the, the, the science is no longer important. It's the political science now that it's important. And now that the elections are just kind of over the top of the horizon, the, polit the political science is changing dramatically, as you know. No, absolutely. And has the inflation and the gas prices and the supply shortage just like really set you guys back? I mean, in terms of, you know, a lot, a lot of your, a lot of your, you know, employees and a lot of your, your members. Yeah, well, I think with our members, you know, we're the we're the disposable part of disposable income when people support us. We survive on voluntary contributions. We don't take any government money. We don't, you know, don't require them to pay our dues or, or fees as a condition of, of working with us. It's all voluntary. So that's hurt a little bit. I think, you know, the labor costs, the idea that the government for a year and a half, you know, help pay people you know, more to stay at home than it did to go to work. And Rory, that's been a problem. So we have the same problems that other small businesses have, you know, finding people to work, uh, the increased cost of them coming to work and, and the inflation that's causing them to say, hey, you know, look, we got to keep up. We, our grocery bills getting bigger, our gas bills getting bigger. It affects everybody, it affects us. And, and unfortunately, I don't see the, uh, you know, the end of that anytime soon, Rory. And speak on that. You know, that's very interesting because we, we, we've heard those reports numerous times uh, about people getting paid more to stay at home than actually go to work. And, I mean, we see these job reports that have came out in the last couple months. I mean, mostly disappointing. We've had a few, a few surprises. But how do you foresee the future? I mean, how do you foresee things playing out? I mean, do we have to wait another three years till we get... Uh, uh, Trump back in there. I mean, what, what, what's, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I think we're going to have to have a political shift, but the, you know, the solution Rory, is not to, not to just put our people, quote unquote, our people in place right. and then maintain the size of government and the increasing growth of government. I mean, yes. you know, every time it seems like there's a problem, one side of the other says, oh, we have to have a new law. Well, I don't think so. You know, we have a national right to work law that's been introduced on Capitol Hill, Rory. It's a very simple one page bill, one page. Yes. I mean, and we're not adding a single word to federal law. We're actually asking Congress to repeal existing language in federal law that gives union officials this unique power to have you fired. I think we need to take words out of the federal code, not add more to them. And so our mission at Right to Work is to basically go in and reduce 
the federal impingement on employment law and on individual workers across the country. But it's your question, to answer your question more specifically, I don't see the, the situation improving anytime soon. I mean, one of the major issues right now is the supply chain and whether you've had guests on to talk about, you know, yep. the fact there's 160 ships outside of- it Looks like Venezuela at some of these grocery stores and you saw some of these yeah. electronic stores and even clothing stores. I'm just like, what's going on? Yeah. And that's not COVID related. It's not demand. I mean, the White House wants to tell us that, oh yeah, people want more. Well, no, the problem out there is bigger. I mean, when right. you have legislation that says any truck driver who is not an employee and therefore can't be unionized, if they're an independent owner operator, they can't service those two ports right now. 40% right. of all of our imports come through those two ports. 60% of all the imports that they come to the United States come through the West Coast and the 29 ports that are out there. And the union's got a hammer lock on who works and who doesn't on those ports. And there are interestingly enough, Rory, there's a new contract negotiation coming up right now. The contract for the West Coast union workers on the ports out there expires in July. And every time there's been a contract negotiation, we end up with a strike or a slowdown or some kind of labor action that's going to make the problem worse, not make it better. You know, and Joe Biden saying we're going to be open 24 seven. That was complete nonsense. You talk to anybody out there at the ports, they know that was just a lie. It was just a whitewashing from the White House. And frankly, nothing's changed. In fact, it's got worse and it won't get better until we see some real reforms. I mean, they they do this build back better bill and this infrastructure bill. And they say, yeah, we sent $17 billion out to improve the ports. Well, guess what? Not $1 of that money can be used for automation and new technology because the unions object to automation and new technology because it may believe that instead of having someone out there with a chalkboard writing down where this container needs to go, they would have an RFID code on it that would immediately scan it and tell them where to take it. That would cost a union job and therefore a union dues. I mean, that's the way union officials control the port system. And it's a major part of that story that gets underreported for sure. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, Mark, tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can find you, get involved, all that good stuff. I love having you here. Let's get you back soon. Great, Rory. Thanks. Hey, you can find us at nrtw.org. That's our foundation. NRTWC gets you to the Right to Work Committee that deals with legislation. The nrtw.org is our questions about your legal rights. So, Rory, thanks for the opportunity to be with you. Continue doing what you're doing. I mean, I, I see your energy and the energy of your guests and keep on taking these tough topics on, okay? Thank you, Mark. Well, I appreciate everything you're doing and thank you for the insight and we'll talk to you soon, okay? And all right. wishing you nothing but the best. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. We'll be back in about a minute, everybody. Stay with us.
And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, coming to you live from Palm Springs, California. I do want to introduce to the show, I believe he's with us right now, we have famous publisher, and uh, he's done a lot of big things in his career, glad he's back joining us, Tony Lyons, how are you my friend? Great, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, what are you working on, what's been going on the last couple of weeks? Uh, you know, the first thing that I, I wanted to show you was the book by Dan Kovalik, who you had on before. Yeah. He's a really great character, and I think that his narrative about what's going on in in Russia and the Ukraine now is, is just critical for the American public to know about. But uh, uh, Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, he, here's the thing, Tony, is that you, you're, you know, Blaine Pardo, by the way, is going to be coming on the show, and he said you're his publisher, too. I just saw in the chat i mean you publish everyone's books man who who don't you represent you like the you're like the biggest guy on the block <laughs> well thank you well you know we have two really great books that we just signed up that, that i thought you guys might want to hear about so one of them is by dr robert malone and it's called lies my government told me yeah. and the other one is by uh, dr pierre uh Corey. And it's called The War on Ivermectin. Yes. And that's, you know, both of these books are incredibly important books. Uh, but both of them sort of go along with our book, The Real Anthony Fauci. And, you know, you were talking before you mentioned sort of mafia tactics. And I've, I've been fascinated as I learned more and more about Dr. Fauci, you know, that he says that his favorite movie and I'm book. The Godfather. Uh, the Godfather. And his tactics are kind of Godfather tactics. And he yes. says, oh, it's all about money. It's not personal. Um, that's his favorite line in The Godfather. So, you know, what you see with somebody like him is somebody who's kind of taking over the country for money. Once again, you know, like you said before, it's about money, not personal. It's about maximizing return on investment for big pharmaceutical companies. And that's really scary. It's like it's a coup d'etat that he's taken over the country. He doesn't care about human life. He doesn't care about early treatments that Pierre Corey talks about. He just cares about focusing people in on things that are expensive, on remdesivir, which costs, you know, $3,000 rather than ivermectin that costs virtually nothing. You know, right. so... That's what's really scary, and that's what's going on. And and we, you know, we publish books on all sides, but these are really critical books. And not enough people understand because you know it was so censored and so taboo from the media standpoint and from social media's perspective to even mention ivermectin or hydrochloroquine and all these other substances because we all know why because it's cheap and it doesn't make big pharma rich. Like re the the medicine you just mentioned with an Rem R, yeah, 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 and 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 the vaccines, obviously. I mean, they 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 did the fear mongering perfectly. They said the only way this is going to get solved is if you buy our big pharmaceutical products, and they de totally delegitimized the basic stuff over the counter that's proven to work, like what Joe Rogan took, what many others took, Dana White. Um, you know, they it's really it's ridiculous. It's right. Sad. I mean, you know, all these people went after Joe Rogan for right. having our author, Dr. Malone, on. Uh, but the point is, 
Joe Rogan would clearly love to have debate. But, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is more than happy to get on to Joe Rogan and debate Dr. Fauci. But Dr. Fauci is running scared. He won't address any of the claims of corruption that are in the book. You know, he isn't willing to debate. He doesn't believe in debate. He says he represents science. And either you agree with him or you're crazy, you're anti-science. And, and, and that's, you know, part of the real problem. He's the real mafia in this country. No, he is. He is. I mean, he, he is the ultimate mobster. He is, there's nobody more evil. And think about all the lives that he's responsible for, not only with COVID, but with AIDS, with everything he's overseen in his life. I mean, he, he's been a government figure for a long time. Definitely. I mean, he's been at this for 50 years. Yeah. And he's never been for any therapeutic, any antiviral, any drug, anything that's cheap. He's consistently throughout his career been a salesperson for expensive pharma products. And how does that, somebody like that, how do they sleep at night? How do they live with themselves? How does that little midget leprechaun get in front of the camera with a straight face and tell America all these bullshit lies? I mean, it, it, it makes me angry every time I see him on Good Morning America, on Don Lamon, on wherever, wherever he may be. But he's always on these channels that are going to throw him softball questions. He'll never go on Tucker Carlson. He'll never go on Sean Hannity. He'll never go on – he won't go on Joe Rogan either because Joe Rogan will rip him apart. Yeah, he, he wouldn't talk to anybody who would contradict him. Exactly. You know, so because he can't answer these allegations, he's afraid right. to actually go against somebody. So he's pulling the strings in the back. So when a book like this comes out that shows what he's really done throughout his whole career, right. when this book comes out, he orchestrates hit pieces in all these different newspapers and magazines where people who haven't even read the book, who have no idea what it's about, but are just trying to protect this mafia-like figure, you know, say that there's something, that Bobby Kennedy has done something wrong. But, you know, there's no truth to any of those allegations that they have against Robert F. Kennedy. They, they come up with all these little things in his life because they're unwilling to look at the actual allegations that he's making of corruption and greed. I mean, this is a book, The Real Anthony Fauci. It's got 2,194 citations. It's got blurbs from doctors, scientists, lawyers, all kinds of people. And it's discredited in every major newspaper by people who haven't read it. And Tony, you know what's really sad is they've completely butchered the Kennedy name uh, by constantly ridiculing Robert just every chance they get. They try to call him crazy. They they delegitimize his statements. They say he's, you know, in bed with certain, you know, corporations. I mean, the mainstream media, I, the, the treatment they give him, I think, is disgusting. I mean, the Kennedys are supposed to be the most popular, most beloved, most well-known, at least one of them, to ever represent the Democratic Party and represent politics in general. And I just think it's disgusting that Big Pharma, uh, you know, and, and the mainstream media has gone gone after him like every step of the way. I mean, they've they've given him sure. they've given him no 
Dude, they've given him no way, no way whatsoever to explain anything. It's all about he's a conspiracy theorist. He's, you know, it's God. It bothers me. Because he has done what investigative journalists in this country now refuse to do. Right. they, They go out. The AP had six investigative journalists at the same time that the book came out. Right. Look into his personal life, parties that he had, you yes. know, his, the nonprofit that he sponsored. But not one of those six investigative journalists looked at any of the allegations in the book. And, and it, you know, that's because they're afraid that a book like this is a blueprint for the indictment of their hero, Dr. Right. Anthony Fauci. And if they really looked into these allegations, they would be shocked, they would be angry, and people ought to read this book and recognize what's going on. And imagine if their golden boy got exposed. I mean, imagine what that would do to their credibility. They can't have that. That's their. That's the media's golden boy. That's Biden's golden boy. Right. You know what this I mean? Is guy, this is a guy who people describe as more powerful than the president. I mean, you have to believe that if he had answers to the allegations in this book, he'd be making them. I mean, he could get on any mainstream primetime TV show all day long, 10 times a day, he could take you through what's wrong with this book if he had answers to it. But clearly he doesn't have answers. He's afraid to defend the decisions that he's made, the decisions that he's made to prevent the American public to get early treatment that would have benefited hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people to recommend things that are actually harmful to them and, you know, I'm a publisher, so, you know, I'm not supposed to take sides, but I'm, I'm seeing this one side and I'm seeing this really strong argument and I'm seeing only censorship in response to it. No counter argument. And that really troubles me. That makes me think that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is right. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I'll tell you, the K- JFK, in my opinion, is perhaps the greatest president we've ever had, you know, look at everything he went to bat for. He was going to expose all the corruption uh, of the CIA. We probably would never have a deep state if JFK was still alive. I mean, the things that he was going after and how, how, how big his balls were and how he never backed down. I mean, we've never seen anything like it. And, you know, same with, same with JFK's brother. And now we're seeing with, you know, Robert, you know, the son of, 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 of JFK's brother, is going after, you know, uh, the media and showing facts with these vaccines. So the Kennedy blood, the Kennedy strength, the Kennedy mentality is true America. It's true patriotism. Definitely. And if you look at what Robert F. Kennedy has done for the last 30 years, he's given up everything. I mean, he has risked everything. And he doesn't make a penny on it. He doesn't make a penny. He donates all of his royalties to charity. Yes. So he has no conflict of interest. He's just trying to help the American public. He's trying to bolster public health. And he really can is concerned. He really works day and night to do that. And he's, he's a folk hero. I mean, he's a guy who can unite the left and the right because yeah. he's anti-corruption. Correct. And, and I, I want to ask you this. You know, what do you make of all of a sudden all these vaccine mandates are being lifted? Uh, Masks are being lifted. Um, Interesting, right? I mean, it's very interesting. 
And, and it, it, it just goes to show it just goes to show it was never about the science. It was always about control. It was always about power. It was always about making big pharma richer and making monopolies and cronies richer. It really was. These elites. I mean, we can't have leaders in this country who feel that they're beyond having to explain what's behind their decisions. And the decisions just time after time look absolutely arbitrary. Yes. So they can censor a book, they can deplatform doctors right. and scientists and not have to tell you why. They just say, this is misinformation. We have to protect the public from this. But what it really sounds like is that it's, it's disinformation and that the government is hiding things, they're protecting people, they might know what happened in Wuhan, they might know that vaccines don't really work, they might know that masks are not as effective as they say. So we don't know because we don't have any legitimate debate. Any counter argument is just censored and deplatformed. And, you know, we have to get beyond this period. We have to get some justice here. And, and I think that this book, that Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, is a blueprint for that future. Agreed, agreed. And let, let me ask you this, what, what, this whole new Hillary corruption stuff that came out, do you have a lot of people probably that are going to be writing books about this in the, in the coming future? I can imagine with the whole Durham report and everything. Yeah, my, my position is that we have to be able in this country to publish books on both sides. So right. it can't just be, you know, people now are really upset at certain kinds of censorship and all these people are donating money to fight censorship but they don't care about censorship when it's about something that they disagree with. Then they right. love censorship. And right. they have to recognize that you're either for censorship or you're against it. So even if you love Hillary Clinton, you should want to know what happened. You should right. want somebody to investigate these stories and get to the bottom of it and see if there's real serious corruption there. And if there was, you should then stop liking Hillary Clinton. So it, it can't be sort of like the like a cult, like you just love people based on something other than the facts. Right. And Tony, you know what makes me kind of puzzled and kind of surprised is that majority of Democrats want Hillary investigated, but there's no there and that's according to a new poll. They they want her because of what happened, but there's no there's no majority of Democrats that want Fauci investigated. It's it's amazing how Majority want, there's a poll that says majority of Democrats would like an investigation into Hillary, but there's no, nobody, no Democrat wants an investigation into Fauci. Interesting. Well, there was, you know, this incredible censorship and disinformation that's been, you know, used to attack Robert F. Kennedy Jr., that's used to attack this book, yeah. and that's used to protect Dr. Fauci. Because clearly, if people read this book, if they heard the things that Dr. Yeah. Fauci did, they, need they to. would be clamoring to have him investigated yeah. and indicted and perhaps in prison. I, I hope we see the day. I really do, Tony. But And Tony, I always love having you with us. Let's get you back here very soon. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, find you, get involved, all that good stuff. That's great. So we're at uh, www.skyhorsepublishing.com. Perfect, man. Perfect. Skyhorse, it's one of the biggest in the game. You guys are, you guys have worked with everybody. You guys have worked with everyone. It's amazing. It's fascinating. It really is. And I love the work you're doing. And 
latest projects that coming up? Anything you can announce that you can share with us? Well, you have somebody coming on who uh, wrote a book called The Cruise of the Sea Eagle. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're having Blaine Pardo on. Nice. And, uh, and I, I hope that that goes well. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you, Tony. Thank you for being with us. I always love it. And we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks so much. All righty. Uh, everybody, we'll be back in about a minute. Uh, stay with us. We are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, coming to you live from Palm Springs, California. I do want to introduce the show. I believe he's with us right now. We have Vince Ellison with us. Vincent, how you doing, man? Welcome back to the show. Uh, what's new? What's the latest? What have you been working on? Give us the 411, my friend. Oh, man, everything's going well, man. I'm just, I've worked on my book, as you know. My new book is out, 25 Lies. Uh, talk about the, the Democrats' most dangerous, seductive, and damnable lies, and how to refute them. So uh, I've been working on. Uh, I've been um, uh, out for a very long time. For the next, for the last month, I've been pushing this book, advertising it, PRing it. Just got off Newsmax, been on Fox News, so it's all good, and I'm having a great time doing it. Nice. Tell us about uh, the uh, Fox News and Newsmax appearance. How was that? Well, it was fine. I was on Laura Ingram's show twice, and uh, you know, Laura's a great host. Uh, nice. hostess rather um the uh, book uh falls in line with what you're talking about and, and and this is it i am tired of the democrat party going around calling people like you and i homophobic um, um, yeah. um intolerant 
misogynist, racist. And these are some of the worst people ever walked Every the term they can think of. I mean, it, you know, and here's the thing, Vince. They use these terms so often, it, it loses its meaning. It loses its value. It's like it's a repetitive it's like a tick. It's like that's how I describe it. These people are out of control. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, 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 man. And and so I wrote this book to tell conservatives how to defend themselves against their lies, but to also talk to good Democrats. And there are good Democrats out there that don't understand what these people are doing. They don't understand that this is a party that believes in abortion up to the ninth month. They don't know this is a party against school choice. They don't know that this right. is a party that, that wants to disarm um, uh, 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 Americans in war zones. They don't know that this is a party that allows sex trafficking and fentanyl and 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 all this all, all these illegals to come over the border. They don't understand that this party is for religious repression. So 25 lies, each chapter is about maybe five to ten pages long. And it's a no, quick absolutely. study of 25 lies to let people know how they lie and how to refute their lies. But I also describe evil. I started at the beginning with when I knew that the Democratic Party was evil. I was up one night, man, watching the American History Channel, right? Nerding out. And they uh, started talking about the Nuremberg Laws. And I yeah. said, wow, those Nuremberg Laws sound a whole lot like the old Jim Crow Laws of the South. And I started researching. And they had written books on the fact that the, that the Nazis had actually come to America and had consulted with the Democratic Party on how to start the Holocaust. Now, this makes sense because when you understand that Nazism is politics for the elevation of a race, you know that for the, for the, for the first 200 years of the, of the life of the Democrat Party, they were about elevating the white race. Period. They hated black people. Right. They, they had slavery. They had the Confederacy. They had the Klan. Right. And they... Vince, you there? I don't know what's going on with the connection. Vince's connection's going in and out. We may have to come back to Vince. Vince, are you she still there? Over here and ask the Democrat Party, how do we do what you guys have done? How do we do to the Jews in Germany what you guys have done to black people here in America? And the Democrats told them. And that's how they started the Holocaust. And it was amazing because what the what what what, what these in, in, intelligent people from Harvard and Yale wrote these books, the, the way they hid it. They said that this was American racism. It wasn't American racism. It was Democrat Party racism, period. Plain and simple. America made them stop. As a matter of fact, America has gone to war three times to stop the Democrat Party. Slavery, the Confederacy, Jim Crow, and now we got to fight them again because they're socialists and they're atheistic. And 25 Lives says we have to start dealing with these people as they are. They are no longer, uh, we no longer have policy disagreements with these people. They are an evil organization and they're supposed to be taken out. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you something. You'd be one hell of a congressman or senator. Have you ever thought about running for office, my friend? Man, I ran for office in 2000 um, uh, uh, against Jim Clyburn. He's 81 years old now. Oh, he, I can't he, stand a, that guy, dude. Yeah, man. He's setting black Carolina. people back, dude. He's keeping blacks in chains, brother. There he is. That's him. He's 81 years old now. But he, but, hey, but so look. you went away. Vince, Vince, let's pause for a second. You you went against him in 2000? 2000, 22 years ago. Vince, this is why politics should not be a career. I mean, they stay in there until they can't walk anymore. I mean, look at all these Diane Feinstein, Clyburn. Yeah. 
Yeah. Pelosi, uh, yeah. McConnell, all these people get old and I mean, they just get older and older in there. They never want to leave. It's just, it's such a swamp, but keep going. Sorry. Well, no, but also he has these old views yeah. about, about America. He thinks he's still racist. He still thinks that the only way that a black person gets ahead is that they have to beg the government or, or, or beg the white master for a handout. He really doesn't understand this, this, this new black ideology that says you can make it in America on merit. This is a post-racial environment. Like, right. for instance, when Joe Biden, uh, he's almost 80 also, when they yeah. decided to uh, uh, announce that they were going to give the Supreme Court nomination out, right. and they decided to give it to a black woman, Joe Biden had to let it be known that she did not earn it. I gave this to you. Same thing the old white master always did. And Jim Clyburn there sat down there beside him and let him do it. Why? Because in Jim Clyburn's mind, that's how it's done. You get everything from the white master. Now, the danger in all of this is that what you've seen, what you've seen them do to black America, they're going to do to the whole country. Oh, Abraham yeah. Lincoln said in his house divided speech, he said, a house divided against itself cannot stay. I do not believe that the house will be destroyed, but it will cease to be divided. and It will be either all slave or all free. Now, he's not talking about black people there, brother. He's talking about the whole nation. Will either be all slave or all free. The Democrat Party has always tried to make this nation all slave. Yeah. Even even when they were ruling the South, they had black and white Christians fighting against one another, keeping both of them poor so that small white elite could stay on top. That is their plan. That's their model. It's a crime family, and they are going to have us fighting each other and trying to kill each other so they can stay on top make the money and rule this nation. That's their plan. You better look out for it because they want to take over public education. They want to disarm the citizens. They want to bring in a bunch of illegals and they want to drug us all up and keep us poor and they'll run the whole show. You know, you bring up an excellent point. You bring up so many, every point you bring up is excellent and, and spot on and you give the best insight. I, I want, you know, what's interesting though, have we ever heard a Democrat politician embrace capitalism and to the black community ever? Or have we always heard them say, I'm gonna give you more free stuff. I'm gonna give you more, more free. They've never told them, I'm gonna create more jobs for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the American dream. It's always, you can't think for yourself. You gotta stay in this box. You can only make this amount, this amount of money. You're not as good as everybody else. That's the ideology that they indoctrinate them with. And they make them think that the white person is the one keeping them there. But that's not the reality at all. I've seen many successful black people in business, in every aspects of life. It's what choice you make. Because America is the place that is full of opportunities. It really is. This is I mean, this is why, you know, people can can build a business, become millionaires, become billionaires, because of the luxury and the freedoms that this country has to offer. We're not racist. Most people don't care what color somebody's skin is when they're walking down the street. That's the last thing on their mind. They care about character. Mm -hmm. But the media and the politicians want people to believe that it's about color. They want people to believe, believe that it's about race. They want people to, to believe that it's about whites versus blacks. But it's just nonsense. It is nonsense. And this is why they want to put CRT in the public educational system. They've seen that they made black people hate themselves, okay? And they saw that this hatred has caused um, a pride, envy, destruction, 
but they keep 90% of the black vote. And that's all they want. As long as they keep 90% of the black vote, they have no motivation. Well, no it's motivation not, not anymore. Not anymore. Now, they not said anymore. If it works in the black community, it also works yeah. in the white community. If we can right. get white people to start yeah. hating themselves the way we've taught black people to start hating themselves, we're going to get the same result. They're not going to have any security in their neighborhoods, so they're not going to have any commerce, they're not going to have any business, their family's going to break down, and they're going to have to depend on us. And that's where our power will come from. That's their plan. And I need your listeners to understand this. They need to buy 25 lives so they can understand what's coming over the horizon. These yeah. Democrats are some of the evilest people that have ever walked the face of this earth. All we got to do is look at Stalin, Mao Zedong, Castro, and you'll understand them. They're, they're, the greatest trick the devil, the devil ever played on anyone was to make you believe that he doesn't exist. And this is what these Democrats do. They're going around telling everybody now, oh, we're done with defunding the police. We want to uh, uh, put these criminals in jail and we want to be about law and order. Don't believe it. As soon as they get power, they're going to defund the police. They're going to make sure that every neighborhood has a crack uh, a corner. They're going to make sure that they take all the charter schools and all the voucher schools out of the city so they can control how these people think. They're going to put all the fathers in jail so they can take the family and do whatever they want to do to it. And then they're going to have control and perpetuity. This is their plan. They are an atheistic group. They are an immoral group. Yes. They are a cabal of perverts, liars, thieves, and sociopaths. And they right. all like the mafia. If you set up a mafia crew, who's going to come to them? The worst people in society, the murderers, the thieves, the perverts, and the sociopaths. The mafia don't even have to recruit them. They're going to come to the mafia. The Democrat Party is the same thing. They have the same model. The worst yeah. people in our society go to the Democrat Party and say, I want to be part of this, and I want to run for office. And this is why wherever they go, now think about this. Every city they run, the people that tell you, the people that live there will tell you, we're living in hell. Detroit. Detroit. You wrote songs Detroit. Yeah, think of it. Detroit, Baltimore, Chicago, New York. These W, N-word, how terrible the schools are, how they don't feel safe. And all of them want to get out. And where do they want to come? They want to come live where me and you live. Yep. The racist, the misogynist, and the homophobic. They want to live with us. Right. They want to come and live with us. Right. Because everywhere the Democrats rule, people want out. Just like over in Cuba and in Africa. They're trying to get out. As soon as they get enough money, what do they do? They get the hell out. They don't stay. Nevertheless, the Democrats will try to tell you that their ideology is the right one. And you say, man, look at look, look at look at where you're ruling. Nobody wants to live there. The people that live there right now tell you they are living in hell. And what does C.S. Lewis say? Hell is a choice. Yeah. Nobody can go to hell unless they choose to go there. So right. if you choose to go to hell, you can choose not to go to hell. And yeah. if you vote for the Democrat Party, you are choosing to go to hell. But our Bible tells us, God says, let heaven bear witness that before you, I've laid before blessings and curses, life and death. Choose life so that your children and you shall live. I've chosen life. You've chosen life. Let's see if anybody else is going to choose it. You know, absolutely. And you bring up an excellent point. And let's not forget the Democrats originated plantations, slavery, the KKK. Black yep. Lives Matter is run by mostly white liberals trying to That's tell right. blacks how to live their lives. Uh, the inner cities are under attack and the de defund the police movement is mostly coming from white liberals. Mm -hmm. Black people in the in their communities want to be safe. They don't want to get rid of the police. I mean, all these things that 
supposedly are good for black people are coming out of the mouths of white liberals that have exactly. never lived a day of their lives in the inner cities and have, don't have a damn clue of what these black individuals have to endure, you know, and, and how, and let's not forget about the great society that LBJ created mm -hmm. in the 60s that took the black father out of the home. And now we have the single motherhood rate in the black community over 70% now in today's That's society right. and nothing but constant welfare and just bad, bad stuff. I mean, it's really not good. And this is the plan they have for all of America. Yes. So white America needs to understand this. Richard Pryor told a joke a long time ago, you know, when he was alive and doing a stand-up, he said, he said that uh, 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 white people will go into the black community, see somebody high on heroin in the in the alleyway, and they say, mm, mm, mm. isn't that a shame? And then they see their son shooting up, say, oh my God, it's an epidemic. 20 years right. later, it all comes to the white community. You're now seeing the same pathologies. You're seeing a lot of young white girls having children out of wedlock. You're seeing yes. a lot of white boys dropping out of high school. You're seeing yes. a lot of them getting that gangster hip hop thug culture. Tattoos yeah. on their necks, on their faces and whatnot. Don't yep. want to work, want to stay with their parents. I'm telling you, coming. And we have an opportunity to stop it right now. Oh, That's why 25 Lives is so important. I talk about uh, 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 the, 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 the one big lie they say that racism is the problem here in America. No, it's not. It's black male cowardice. What do I mean? Ever since the Civil Rights Movement, before the Civil Rights Movement, even slavery, we always talk about the history of America. And they'll say, because of, because of white male intimidation, black men didn't vote or black men couldn't get jobs. And I'm saying, well, black white man intimidation, huh? Yeah. Well, why didn't black men get their guns and fight like the white man did? Oh, you want to act like black male cowardice is a virtue? No. If you're a free man, you're supposed to be armed and you're supposed to fight. And if you don't, somebody is going to come and take what you got in the story. There is no virtue in a man allowing somebody to rape his wife, rape his daughter, or, or break up his house. But we taught this cowardice to our sons. And now in the ghettos right now, you got black men leaving their families. They're the ones selling dope on the corner. It ain't white men. White men ain't doing the snatching grabs. They're not selling dope on the corner. They're not leaving their families. They're not burning out neighborhoods. They're not shooting and killing each other. These are all black men. Why? Because there's a cowardice that has to be taught out of them. But this cowardice has turned into a virtue. But they want to say that a white, white racism is a problem. How can it be the problem? There ain't no white people down in the ghettos. None. Nowhere. You go down exactly. there, you're going to see a black people, and you want to see the black preacher, the black politician, and the black civic organizer making money off of it. So they lie, lie, lie. And that's why I call it 25 lies. I could have named it a thousand lies if I wanted to. Exactly. And, you know, we we really have to, you know, what the Democrats are doing. Look at what Joe Biden just did. Crack pipes. I mean, did, did, did we not learn enough from who suffered the most with the crack epidemic, with jail time and all that back in the day? And let's not forget about the 94 crime bill that Joe yeah. Biden put into place that locked yeah. up more blacks than ever before for a little amount of drugs. So, I mean, Joe Biden's going back to his old patterns, his old routine with this new crack pipe legislation. And it's just a slap in the face to the black community on Black History Month. Brother, they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. They the oh, yeah. They want to put more population. black people in jail. They want to put more black people in jail. There you go. They want to demoralize the population. Yep. When you demoralize the population, there is nothing you can tell a demoralized man to change his mind. You can show him right. pictures. 
You can show him evidence. He will not listen. And as long as they keep us, when you talk about marriage laws, of uh, hierarchy of needs, right? There are five levels. Self-actualization is where you want to go. They keep us stuck at number two, fighting to survive, fighting for security, fighting for, 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 for bodily security and financial security. So they keep yeah. black people just always down in those ghettos, just trying to survive. And they can never reach self-actualization where you're doing your best and where you don't care about how others feel about you. See, you and I are in self-actualization. I can step back and somebody says, I don't like you because you're black. I say, hell, I don't care. That's your problem, not mine. Right. But if you put your hands on me, I got two things going to get you off, Jesus Christ and our 38. Nice. So I don't care how yeah. you feel about me. I don't care if a guy looks at me and says, I don't like you because you're black. I say, I don't care. So that's your problem. When they right. say, well, I don't want you to judge me by the color of my skin. Judge me by the color of my skin, please. And I hope you underestimate me. Because then I'm going to own you. Right. If I find a racist, I found a fool. I own him. It's true. And, and here, here's the problem. Here's another problem. It's cutting in and out. Vince, well, you still there? Against you cause your color. I said, don't you want to know? I don't know what's going on with the connection. Vince, you still there? to get and that's how and that's how we become stronger absolutely it was cut it was cutting out for a second um i want i want to ask you though how do we how, how do how do we get rid of the how, how do we stop listening to government trying to divide us on race i mean what's your solution because it's been going on for as long as i can ever remember and that's how they that's how they get get us every election cycle Democrats always play the race card. That's their number one card. They love it. That's how they get their votes. That's how they yes, keep they black people on chains. What we what we have to keep doing is doing what you're doing right here. I go. Yes. I always go back to my Bible when I have a question. And Jesus never chased anyone. He lived his right. life. He said, right. let your light shine so people may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. See, I found my way. You found your way. People that want to find their way will find their way. And people that don't want it, I'm not going to come get it. We have to live our life. They have to see a black man and a white man sitting down talking together. You and I can get a beer and a steak and talk for 10 hours. I already know it. How can they know you're racist? How can they call me a when we can sit down and we can just up together? Right. See, when we have a people's contest going on here, and when you can say, look at the ghettos, do you want to be there or do you want to be where you and I live? Do you want to have failing, crumbling schools? Do you want to be able to send your child to a private school like you and I can? Do right. you want a life where you can sit beside your neighbor and, and, and have a cup of coffee or have a beer in the afternoon and y'all get along and you don't have to dodge bullets and, 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 and hate one another? See, that's what the Democrats have. They have a dystopia. They created They created a hell to show them us and show them that our sure. life better and you can choose this life so we have to say you're welcome come join us. or stay where you are but don't come here in our community trying to take what we have or trying to cause trouble we want you if you want to be like us but if you want to be like them stay where the hell absolutely no i agree with you 100 i love everything you stand for i love everything you're doing uh, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. 
You can go to vinceellison.com. That's my website, Vince E. Ellison, three E's in the middle. You can get my book on Amazon. Buy it now, y'all. It's been number one. It's Vince, you still there? Vince. I don't know. They have to friend. And this book to help save them, but also help defend our lives. Thanks, man, for having me. And thank you for what you coming out here and doing what you do every day. It's the number one thing that has to be done. And you bring it out like me on your show. Give me access to your audience. I appreciate it that there's still good people out there in America. Thank you, Vince. One more time, you're cutting out. Tell everybody where they can find your book. connection all right i do want to introduce to the show i believe he's with us wait let's see if we have vince back vince do we have you back i think you had a connection something's wrong with the connection um i want to welcome i believe who he's with us right now we have best-selling author and uh historian and he's done. He's doing a lot of different articles and stuff. Got Blaine Pardo. Blaine, what's going on, buddy? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you, Corey? I'm doing well. Or Rory, sorry, no, it's been a long fine, time. Dude. I've been on the call a long time. No, you're you're fine, man. What's what's uh, what's new? What's what's the latest? What are you working on? Oh, I I'm doing a couple of op-ed pieces for various conservative sites. Uh, the biggest topic I think of the week that has really struck me, and I, I experienced it, and I know a number of conservative authors did, is kind of the sabotaging that we've been getting from some of the big tech companies, especially Amazon.com. Um, we've been talking about right before my book Blue Dawn went up um, on Amazon they mysteriously lost all of the pre-sales of the book 24 hours before it went up. Wow. And I started talking to other conservative authors and they're like, oh yeah, that happened to me too. Uh, one author told me that when their book went up, um, it was selling really well. And then suddenly the sales dropped off and he went up and looked at the book and the price had mysteriously gone up to $6,000 a copy. Um, you know, and, and when price, you contact Amazon, Part, yeah. Well, when you contact Amazon, they go, oh, it was a glitch. It was a mistake. Um, but clearly there's this effort to kind of sabotage conservative authors out there. And I'm, I'm working on a piece on that because it, it's really frustrating. I don't think it's Amazon corporate that's the problem here. I think it's lone wolf, you know, actors, bad actors within the corporation. But there's definitely an effort to suppress authors i you know i talked with another author whose book when you look up their name on amazon it doesn't show up didn't show up for two weeks but if you look for the title of the book the book is out there but then mysteriously it got fixed um so there's this subtle sabotage that's been taking place with against conservatives and some of it is from amazon itself and some of it is some of their policies so when you get a rating on a book for example, if you, when you're done with your book, you'll get reviews. <laughs> yeah. And it, there's a little line that appears and it says verified purchase. Right. Verified purchase means they purchased it on Amazon.com. So they're qualified or entitled to write a review. Well, Amazon will let anybody write a review, though. Mm -hmm. So you have people who don't read your book 
who want to sabotage your sales by giving you crappy ratings. So they can go in and file a rating. You can't get Amazon to pull these things. And you go, look, it, it's clearly the person didn't buy the book. Your own system says that. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to click with them, uh, pun intended. And uh, they, they let it fly. So I, to me, I think it's an interesting piece of how we're seeing the sabotage take place of conservative authors and conservative thinkers and thought leaders by big tech. And, and it's frustrating as all hell. And Blaine, you know what's interesting? And this kind of goes into what happened during the pandemic. Look at how much control and how much power and how much money companies like Amazon made, how much big tech made. And once they get all that power, this is the goal of big government. Give all of them power and then make contracts with the government, silence conservatives, put all the mom and pop you know, companies out of business and basically have no other alternative. That's the way I see it. I mean, do I have a point here? I, th I think you, you're definitely seeing it. I Amazon, you know, it used to be when because Walmart Amazon wants to, in my, this is how I This is how I view it. Amazon wants to be the one and only one-stop shop nowhere else for pretty much everything, especially books, though. Go ahead, though. Oh, yeah. 20 years ago, it was when Walmart would show up into a small town. They'd say, we're going to open up a Walmart, and it would kill the downtown. Everybody, it, it, every time it happened, it killed the downtown. Yep. And Walmart wanted to be the one place you would come and shop. So the mom and pop hardware stores disappeared. The mom and pop groceries disappeared. All the little clothing stores disappeared because Walmart was in town. We're right. now seeing it, but it's online. So your theory is really incredibly accurate. Amazon has become yeah. this beast and there needs to be a degree of control over that. And the way the government generally does that, as we saw with AT&T, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, they break them up. And that's what's going to have to happen at some point with Amazon. If they don't break themselves up, they need to be broken up. There's too many wings and components to, to what they're doing that make them dangerous. I mean, they're handling you know, file serving and hosting, you know, on a grand scale, their, their cloud operations are just absolutely frightening. All the things that are flowing through there, you know, they they definitely control the publishing industry for all yeah. intents and purposes. Small, small independent bookstores are so rare now. And, you know, it's very hard for the larger bookstores. I don't think Barnes and Noble is, is even going to be around in 10 years. It's just not going to be there. When you go to a Barnes and Noble or to a Books a Million, what you see are people looking at books and then getting out their phones and looking to see how much it costs on Amazon. Yeah. You know, and, it, you know, yeah. And, and I, it's, it's terrifying. I mean, you know, they're, they're really turning into a China communist mentality, you know, and Canada's doing the same sort of thing. I mean, the war on free speech is real. They, they now want to put people in jail in Australia if they use swear words or, I mean, who's, who says that can't come to the U S we all know how peaceful and freedom loving Australia once upon a time was. So, I mean, Look, it's, we're going into scary territory. I, I don't know what's next, but everybody finds something to be offended by. Everybody, this whole PC culture, cancel culture is getting out of control. I mean, things are just escalating. 
I I absolutely agree. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. One of the great things I think it makes Americans great is you don't have a right to not be offended. Right. And if you're not, if you're offended, you know what it changes in the whole world? Nothing. Right. It doesn't matter. You being offended is just you being offended. When yeah. I was a kid, it was suck it up, buttercup, move on. You know, you went right. on to your next thing. Exactly. That's if you called- don't like it, turn the channel. That's how I was taught and raised. Like, if you don't like something, turn the channel. Why are you going to give your energy to something that is just negative and not your cup of tea, you know? Well, they, they firmly believe because their parents have raised them. And, and I think we talked about this before. It's the participation trophy. Yes. You know, entirely. generation. They've been raised that the whole universe revolves around them that their feelings are the most important thing. Every time their kid had a problem in school, they were the parent went to school and moved the kid to another class if they couldn't get a grade changed. Rather than tell the kid, hey, you know, you need to stop goofing off in class and raise your grades. Um, the parents caused this. They created a soft, weak generation of kids who believe not only are they entitled to everything, but that the whole universe has to revolve around them. And that causes a major disconnect with the real world. And when they don't get their way, they get very upset. They get very frustrated. It's amazing to me. And I've got some crazy people that have been following me and harassing me online, as I'm sure you do as well. And, you know, it's hilarious because if you cut them off, if you go, fine, I'm going to block you. They literally go batshit. And it's because, oh, my God, you've cut me off. I deserve, I'm entitled to your social media platform to tell the world how bad and evil you are. It's like, no, you're not. You're just some punk kid or punk guy sitting in your parents' basement, you know, not contributing to society. I don't know you, Jack. And if you're offended by something I've said or done, well... You need to move on because that's what's called coping skills. And these kids don't have them and they're not going to be able to function in later life. It's just the way it's going to be. Right. And and the way the, the way they're, you know, the technology is more evolved than ever before. You know, I'm reading studies now that the CIA has a secret and then we've known that we know government is spying on us every second. But I read I read an article. The CIA now has a program where they are collecting all of our data, which leads me to believe they're they're knowing everything about our religious beliefs, our political beliefs. We're now seeing pro if you're pro Trump in certain countries, you're going to get cut off in every aspect of life, including bank accounts. Crypto companies are now telling people in Canada if you've got money in this crypto wallet, you better get it out if you're a conservative because we don't know what the Canadian government is going to do with it. We now hear the FBI is going after cryptocurrency in the United States and they want to – it's like the like the government regulation and the, the control and taking over us and trying to – you know, like – they 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 are it's 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 overreach at its finest it's tyranny and the the reason they're they're so good at so much of this is because of all the data they collect they collect everything on us our phones are tracked the social media we use is tracked everything we do we might as well be in a video game right now or in a movie because they 
it, it's just it's mind blowing. It really is. It, it really is. It, and there are people out there mining your your social media, my social media, any conservative social media out there. They mine it. They literally will take snippets out of context and say, look at what this person said. And, and if you remove the context of, of anything, it has no meaning, in, in my opinion. Once you remove the context, it's it's a string of words. It doesn't necessarily reflect reality. I've had one person who literally made up fake Twitter posts that I allegedly did. They, they, they doctored it up and said, see, look at what he said. And I'm looking right. at it going, Look, I've been on late night before, but I don't remember writing this down. You right. know, and I go through my account for that day and I'm like, I never wrote that. But they can doctor them up, oh, yeah. post them out there as real. There's fake tweets. Yeah, there's there's apps now where people can write fake tweets. Yep. Yeah, and and they this is all considered perfectly acceptable to them. They don't care if they destroy lives, ruin right. careers, ruin reputations. It doesn't mean anything to them because they're entitled. Right. They're offended. And right. because they're offended, the world has to change to fit them. And Blaine, you know what disturbs me is if, if there's any sort of subject matter or headline that is is deemed as controversial or, you know, one of those things that is a, a situation that's going to cause divide or going to definitely rile people up, I'm scared to even leave a comment. I'm scared, even if it's appropriate, I mean, I all, I'm always appropriate with the comments, but even if I don't use swear words, I'm just scared to give my opinion because somebody could flag it, report it, just because they don't agree with it, and then the account gets banned. It happens all the time. Well, you know, and I've never been banned, so I, you know, I haven't experienced that. I did get a warning, and this will tell you how crazy oh, that it's too. been. That kind of stuff happens, too. I, I got a warning on the 5th of November. Every year I post up on the 5th of November, which is Guy Fox Day, I post up the infamous Guy Fox poem about blowing up Parliament. It, it was very famous in the movie V. If anybody's seen the movie V, you remember the Guy Fox Max, etc. This poem's been around for hundreds of years. I post it every year on Guy Fox Night because I think a little rebellion is good for everybody. Of course. This year, I got a notice that it was inflammatory content on Facebook, and this was my first strike. And I, they're like, do you want to protest this? And I'm like, absolutely, I want to protest this. This is ridiculous. This is a piece of art, and it reflects what was said at the time. It, you know, literally, the, this is the level of bullshit that's going on out there. And somebody was like, oh, well, that was probably just a bot. No. This was a decision that was made and somebody decided, well, that's inflammatory. You know, if you're going to do that, then the Declaration of Independence is inflammatory. It says that we have the right to govern ourselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, that's terrible. You can't have something like that. How right. far are we from that occurring? And it's right. a little bit creepy and scary to me that in our country, we can't just go, look, it's OK if you don't agree with me. Move on. Stop following right. me. Stop. You don't aren't required to look at my my posts, and nobody really cares what you think about my posts. I certainly don't. Right. And Blaine, here's the thing: in this country, you know, we're seeing what's happening in Canada. I mean, protest protesters getting arrested for peacefully protesting when Black Lives Matter could burn down cities and nothing would happen to them. 
we're seeing reporters for reporting on the situation in Canada getting arrested. What if that's next in the U.S.? Because that's really what they want. The Biden administration has said several times that they want to silence so-called disinformation. You know, I mean, that's dangerous territory. And that we all know where that lines up. That lines up with free speech. They, I mean, have you ever heard of anything so crazy where a presidential administration like the Biden administration wants to monitor what Joe Rogan says? They want to yeah. monitor. They want to censor. I mean, you know what? I, I see what's happening in Canada coming to the U.S. very shortly. There's a valid and important reason why these truckers are going to be starting their rally from California to D.C. We are sending a message. We are not backing down. And it's it's time to get back to reality and normal. No more power grabs. No more bullshit. No more Sleepy Joe uh, micromanaging, you know, our lives. I, I completely agree. This concept of, well, you all need to get used to a new normal is bullshit on a stick as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah. It's, you know, I didn't vote for new normal. I don't know who determines what is new normal. Yeah, well, I like, want my old normal back. Yeah. I, that's all I want is back what, what I had before. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm tired of the what I call the dramatic misrepresentation that the government has put out. And there were times Trump said things that I absolutely just freaking cringed at. Oh, of okay. course. Of I, I'm, you know, I've had people say, oh, you're just a Trump, you know, supporter to the end. And I'm like, look, there are times I, I wish he would have gone to sleep rather than tweet. But, I, you know, at the same time, I heard, heard constantly these bizarre lies. The press secretary this week said the attacks on Asian Americans have been taking place across this country as a result of Donald Trump saying that the virus came from a lab in China. And, and she literally went out and told the American people that was the cause of it. First of all, nobody has done any research into what the cause of this is. And, you know, it, so this is the government telling you this is what the excuse is. Biden keeps coming out saying, well, it, what's causing inflation is the supply chain issue. No, it's the fact that we've dumped trillions of dollars into the economy. Yeah. I took economics classes, Joe, yeah. and I took them at least in the 20th century. Um, you know, this is what happens when you dump a lot of money out into the economy. It causes inflation. And what's going to happen in this country in the next five years is going to be devastating because with inflation, the only way the Fed combats it is to raise interest rates. They're going to do that. There's a lot of people that have bought homes and are on adjustable rate mortgages because we don't learn anything. We learned nothing from 2008. Right. And what's going to happen is they're, they're 2% or 1%, one and three quarter percent interest rates are going to shoot up to 14 or 20%. And we're going to be in a housing crisis in five years. Easy. Do you it's, I could see it on the horizon. It's right there. You see and there's nothing anybody's even looking at about. Do you it. see it worse as 2008? I don't think it'll be that bad, but we just bought a house. We just built and bought a house. And they were trying like hell to pressure me into an ARM, an adjustable rate mortgage. And I kept saying, I no. want a fixed rate. And they're like, oh, right. you're going to be paying it, you know, a half percent more or 2% more or whatever. And I was like, I'm paying it because I know what's coming. But they tried on five different occasions to get me into an adjustable rate. 
And a lot of people don't know the difference. They're looking at, well, this will mean more cash in my pocket right now. They're not looking down the road. And I think if this inflation doesn't get knocked down and you do, you got to knock down the national deficit to do it. You've got to restrict the amount of money out there, et cetera. You know, if we don't do that, we're, we're facing a big time inflationary period followed with a recession, which is really going to devastate an already very fragile economy that we have in this country. I hear you. And the only reason it won't be as bad as 2008 is because of the, I mean, we all know what led up to 2008. Anybody could get a loan. They could get unlimited amount of loans. I mean, they were giving out loans like candy. Obviously, it's a little more restricted in that realm these days. So I, that's probably why you think it won't be nearly yeah. as severe as 2008, right? Yeah, there's, I mean, you know, common sense, there were some changes that were done, but those, you know, we really didn't send people to jail for their crimes that they did during. Oh yeah. I mean, Goldman Sachs, Lehman brothers, those, some of those people should have been in jail. Yeah, they really should have for what they did to the American economy. Instead, they gave out bonuses that we funded. We gave them the bailout money and they turned around and gave each other bonuses. And and that's the disgusting thing is Barack Obama came in, bailed out the big banks, bailed out the little, bailed out the big guys, told the little guys to go take a walk. It's very, very upsetting. And the banks oh, yeah. have way the banks have had way more power than they should have ever had. It's almost like they had more power than any of these politicians or any of any of our government. You, we've entered an era that's really weird because in our country's history, if you look back bef- when there were the, the, the trusts were a big deal and Teddy Roosevelt broke up the trusts, etc. You know, we're back in that era all over again. You've got you. We just talked about Amazon and being you know just this unstoppable force and and you've got the huge banks that are literally in control of monetary policy more than than the fed is even at this point right and and, you know it's it's staggering to me what we're looking at and on top of that you've got the government kind of dipping its hands into regulatory stuff that that is dangerous for our economy and we can't afford to do it this time. This whole Green New Deal is just, it's something we can't afford. We can't afford to do this. We can't afford to take on the debt that's necessary to do this. And the technology doesn't exist. If they go through and replace all our cars with electric cars, my trip from Virginia to Michigan becomes a three and a half day journey because of recharge times. Yeah, I'm never I'm never going to have all electric cars until they solve that technology. And, you know, this is a lot like when they replaced incandescent light bulbs. They said we were, you know, the science was we were going to run out of water in the 80s. So they replaced right. all our toilets with low, low volume flush toilets. Yeah. You know, I don't need the government telling me how big my toilet bowl needs to be or what color my freaking light needs to be. Right. Or, or yeah. And that. and that I have to buy, you know, that we're going to make the car companies only produce electric cars. Where do you think electricity comes from? Exactly. It's not magic. They come from coal-fired plants, you morons. And you're never going to be able to build enough solar panels in this country to power this country. It's so I, it's ridiculous. And, it, you know, I, when people start screaming, well, we've got to clean up the environment, I'm like, we're not the problem. 
Yeah. The other countries out, I've been to India personally twice. Trust me. Pollution. It's bad. You know, and, and, you know, they burn their garbage in the streets. I mean, or in city blocks, they have abandoned blocks where they just pile the garbage and on Saturday night, they set it on fire. Uh, I saw that, you know, it, it, it's absolutely incredible that everybody thinks we're the problem. We're not. It's China. It's India. It's all these other countries out there that are the problem. So stop making America foot the bill for it. It's true. It's oh, so sorry. true. I've been on the call a long time. <laughs> no, it's absolutely true. And here's the thing. It's like. What I what I worry about is the hypocrisy and how many people believe people like Al Gore when Al Gore makes stupid statements about, you know, climate change and the environment, but he's flying on his private jet everywhere. His house is about 30 bedrooms and takes up more electricity than pretty much uh, hundreds of middle class families combined. Uh, and let's not forget about the whole, your, oh my God, sell your oceanfront property. It's going to go in the water. Um, that's funny. He said that in what? 2000, 2000, I don't even remember early two thousands. Let's just say that. And it's funny because Barack Obama and all these rich elites keep buying waterfront property, but, uh, the naive and gullible, uh, I can't believe that these people believe this crap. Well, just this week, the the government released a scientific study that by 2050, sea levels are going to go up one foot. And and if if you look at pictures from the 1920s that are taken from the same angle of of New York Harbor as they are today, sea levels haven't gone up one bit. And this is a a lie that they're – they bask themselves in this trust science. And we, you've had a number of great speakers talking about today when it comes to COVID, but yeah. it's the same crap that they do with the environment. You know, they, oh, yeah. they tell you that this is what it's going to be and it's science. So you can't argue it. And I'm like, actually you can argue science because there's probably a study that will go against this. And I want to see a peer reviewed study. I want to see, some statistical cases that validate what that study says. Don't just say there's a study because I can actually put together a grant, hire a bunch of scientists that say that the sky is going to turn purple in 10 years and they will come up with the formulas to make that happen. I need something that's truly something we can all agree is happening. Um, Yeah. It's amazing to me. The government lies to us about the inflation. They lie to us about the science. And and then when you've defied them, as we've seen by our brothers and sisters to the north, who had the audacity to tell their government, go to hell, you know, that you need to end these mandates. I never thought we would ever look up to the north in Canada as a bastion of freedom. And now I look at it and it's a bastion of tyranny. It is. It is. And, you know, it's like the founding fathers built, you know, our country based on we the people, not not the government taking control. And, you know, it's like the the political power has completely um, abused their scenario in every way possible. I mean, we are and they're they're close. They're more close than ever before to completely 
taking things over to a whole new level that this this country has never seen in years prior. They're very yeah. close. It, it, it is creepy what they're doing. You know, these secret flights where they're flying immigrants around the country. Yeah. Well, there, there was a news report here locally in Virginia, Loudoun County, uh, Department of Homeland Security showed up, told the Sheriff's Department, we're bringing in 2,000 Afghanis, refugees, and, and we're going to be putting them in, in a hotel or a complex here in Loudoun County. And they were like, well, wait, you know, what about safety concerns? You know, there's there's two high schools within distance of the, or two schools within distance of this place, walking distance. You know, do, have we properly vetted these people? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They said, well, what about language problems? Oh, they're mostly translators. Turns out only 30% of them can actually speak any English. Um, yeah. You know, and they're like, what about fire concerns? What about food? What about, and they're like, don't worry, we'll, we'll cover this. We're going to give you 20 additional officers. And they're like, but you have no authority in our county. Right. Your Department of Homeland Security people can't arrest. They can't perform anything unless it's a violation of federal law and they literally dumped it on and and hats off to the Loudoun County Sheriff he came out and said yeah I'm my job is to protect the people of Loudoun County and I'm not comfortable with what's going on and he laid out not a very detailed you know scheme of here's the questions I had and here's the answers I didn't get and it amazes me that this government just believes we can do this and it's okay. We can inflict this on local communities. We can dump people on these communities. I'm not, it's nothing against the Afghani people. If these were people that supported us, by God, we owe, we owe them something. But we need to do it right. We don't yeah. need to be doing it recklessly and put American lives at risk. Oh, yeah. And leaving our own people over there and... You know, it's like leaving our weapons over there. I mean, it's it's absolutely atrocious. Well, it's been 172 days since we have abandoned Afghanistan to the Taliban. To date, not a single person has been held accountable for that debacle. Not some low-level lieutenant colonel, not some captain who said, you know, this was the plan and it was a good idea. No one in the government has been accountable for those 13 people that lost their lives during this evacuation. Not a single person has been punished. Not a single person has been named as responsible for, for us losing that country on that scale. And, and it's amazing to me that lack of accountability ties into some of what you were talking about, which is how can you trust your government when the, the right. government won't even patrol itself? It exactly. won't police itself. Exactly. It's so true. It's so true. Blaine, will you will you stay with us? I want to get like a big conversation going. I got like a few more guests to get to and then I'm going to get a big conversation going. Got about okay. a half hour left in the show. But also tell everybody where they can find your book and get involved and connect. Uh, find me on Facebook and Twitter. You can get my books on Amazon.com. That's the best place to do it. All right. Sounds good, man. Stick, stand by, stand by. Okay. Um, I do want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us and I'm going to get to Corey here next. Um, I want to go to, and I'm going to get to Rod, Pastor Rodney Evans as well, but I want to go to Pastor Dwayne Hennon. How are yes. you? Do doctor, how are you? How are you doing, Rory? I'm doing very well. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Uh, tell us what's new, what you've been working on. I know you were running for office for a while. I know you're doing other stuff in the political realm. You're trying to you know, help America as much as possible. 
Absolutely. Um, well, as uh, as you know, I ran for uh, Congress against Tim Ryan back in uh, 2020. Yeah. Um, and here we are today. I'm the pastor of a church that actually led into this pastorate here because yeah. it connected with me with someone uh, from my childhood. Oh, nice. Who ended up telling me about this position that was open here that where I'm at right now currently at Maranatha Church in Cortland, Ohio. Um, and I, I've heard a lot of the guests on this show tonight and they were talking about, uh, well, we don't know what down is down the pike. And, um, boy, I've read the book to the end. And I'll tell you, we know what's coming. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't like to look at it that way. We know that uh, our time is short. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, there's some perilous times ahead of us. And, boy, I think um, the globalists are all for that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you see it from our government, uh, you know, all the way down. Uh, every level of our government has so much corruption. And as Christians, we've got to stand up and be the light to the world. That's what we're called to be. Well, I agree. I agree. And we need to restore Christianity and civilization and schools and different learning environments. I mean, we've shied away from it so much. And I think it's really created a, a, a bad burden on, on our society. I, I think it, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's really bad. Well, absolutely. And, and, you know, our constitution, because a lot of people will say, well, we have to follow our constitution. It was built on those very biblical foundation. Exactly. Um, and, and with that, it was actually built for a moral society. And if exactly. you look around, um, how much morality do you see in our nation right now? Right. And we've got to get back to that solid morals built on the Bible. Yes. Um, it, it's not built on some idea uh, just made by man. This was actually a God-given morality to us. Right. And, you know, we know from the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve, that kind of got messed up. And here we are today in 2022. We're fighting the same battle. And uh, sometimes the church just does not stand up for what it's supposed to be. And I heard, uh, I think it was um, Mr. Uh, was it uh, Guile um, oh, yeah, talking no, about no, that? No Giles, and, yeah. You know, and we've got to get some of these limp-wristed preachers to stand down a little bit. You know, the Joel Osteens of the world, and I know there might be some people that like him. But listen, he doesn't preach the truth. He doesn't stand up and fight. We need pastors that are willing to stand up and fight and to stand up and say, look, we're not going to take it anymore. Absolutely. You, know, you, you look at Canada. Look, the wolf is right at our doorstep. Oh, yeah, right next door. Our, bo and, our and it's border. Coming. It's coming. And, you know, they've been trying to pull back a little bit, little by little. Even in this country, you know, where they'll target, or target ministers preach the, the truth. You start calling Nancy Pelosi out as a demon-possessed person that she is, and you become on our list. But exactly. the fact that a lot of politicians that are under a different influence than what you and I are under. It's do as I say, not as I do. All this special treatment, all this you know, not, not following the rules they put into place. It's, um, it's a sad state of affairs to say, to say the least. Well, well, that's right. And, 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 you know, it's like, and that's why I said it, it takes the righteous to stand up. It takes the people of God to stand up and start to call things out as truth and don't shy away from the truth just because it's unpopular, just because a cancel culture is coming after you. Uh, you know, and, and that, that's the danger of it all is that, as Christians, there's so many times that people just want to shy away from those tough battles. Well, we're in a battle, and it's not against the flesh and blood that we see. It's, a, it's against uh, the principalities that are in the heavenly realm. And if we don't fight back, 
uh, we're going to lose. And I've always said that the biggest target, the biggest, the biggest victim at this point in society right now, the biggest person who should be worried is a white Christian conservative. Because we're the easy, we're the easiest people to blame. We really are, and, and we're the most. I, I believe we're the most attacked. I mean, it's it's just from from everything I've seen. That's that's and that's how the mainstream media wants to paint us as villains. I think it's ridiculous. And I'll tell you something: we can't even have civil discourse anymore. We can't have differences of opinions. We can't have cordial conversations yeah. without everybody being at each other's throats. It's it's a very toxic um culture i mean i i I, we need to get back to people looking at each other as humans not being so divided on you know just ideas you know try to work out not scream down somebody's throat if you find out they're a trump supporter i mean well well, that's right you know and it's just crazy crazy stuff well yeah and you mentioned that and look i've had that happen uh, yeah. Where people say, well, you just, you know, in, in a lot of times racism's thrown in there as well. Yeah. They put it right in your face that, well, you must be racist because you supported Trump. You're right. racist because you're a Republican. You're racist because right. you're conservative. And look, right. I don't have a racist bone in my body. Yeah. Um, you know, what I do have is a love for people that yeah. compels me to tell them that Jesus Christ is the answer. Right. And, and sometimes that's not what they want to hear. But but that's the truth of it all. Um, if we don't get back to the very basics of it and uh, quit shying away from, you know, even the people that really hate me because of who I am, because of yes. who I stand for. Uh, yes. Look, look I'm, I'm called to reach them as well. And, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. I don't care how many, much someone screams. It just it doesn't make me mad. It, it's just um, it is what it is. Uh, I'm just called to preach the gospel. I just wish more people especially conservatives could tell, say their opinions, you know, without getting fired from their jobs, without getting, you know, doxxed on the internet, without getting, you know, completely crucified by their friends without, I mean, it's really become a, and and, you know, if you're a Democrat, you can advertise it all day long and (laughs) you're, you're supposed to just be accepted. It's supposed to be normal in society. I mean, how idiotic has, has our times come to. Well, you know, and you're right on that. I mean, it's like it's a shame that people are targeted because of their beliefs. You know, in a nation that was once founded on freedom, which we're losing, you know, fairly quick. uh, You know, they're they're after our First Amendment rights. They're after our Second Amendment rights. Uh, As a matter of fact, they'd rather just take away all the Bill of Rights and and throw that away along with the Constitution so they can create their own documents to follow after that fits their narrative. Well, yes. what happens when that narrative changes? Right. Uh, you know, and, and they're actually going to become the enemy of themselves. And I, I think we've seen that, you know, some points in time, like throughout uh, the Democrat Party, you see them starting to backfire and fight each other. But you know, it's like uh, I'm actually in the process of writing a book. It's called Yes to Greatness, and uh, you know, I, I I believe you know, as Christians, we got to stand up and understand who we are. See, I'm not just a Republican. I'm not just a conservative. I'm a Christian way beyond any of those measures. Um, I've got to follow the rules that God's laid down for me. And that's how I get to where I'm, where I'm great. I'm great in his eyes. I don't care what the world thinks. I'm great in his eyes. And that's the highest priority for my life. That was even when I was running for Congress. Um, if you remember, my slogan was make America godly again. 
Um, and, and that's what it's all about. We've got to get back to those very core foundational principles that our constitution was written on, that you know every right that we have been given was given by God. And it's like, no man can take those rights away. It doesn't yeah. matter if, you know, uh, Joe Biden cannot come and take the rights away. It's not up to him. Those Absolutely. are God given. And, and let them stand against God and see who wins that battle. No, I agree, Pastor. I agree 100%. And are you planning to run for office anytime soon again? Boy, boy that I, I keep getting asked that, and uh, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've actually been asked to run for even our city council and things like that uh, as a, you know, a commissioner in our county. Um, and, and we'll see. I'm just kind of, look, I'm letting God lead on that one. Um, I'm fighting up for Men, uh, you know, after Tim Ryan Bill Johnson. Perfect. Hey, Pastor, stay with us. I want to get into a big, we have, we're going to get into a big conversation. I'm going to put numerous people on the screen here shortly, but tell everybody where they can connect with you. Um, probably the easiest place is right at our church website, Maranatha Movement. Maranatha is M A R A N A T H A, and then movement.com. Or you can look me up on Facebook. You'll find me there as well. Twitter, uh, I'm not on Twitter anymore. Well, I actually tried. I'm starting a new account. They kind of threw me out about a year ago, um, and I'm not even sure why. It was just I was gone. Uh, you know, so I've got to start rebuilding that account. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Well, stay with us. I'm going to get you right back on. Uh, I do, and I'm going to get to everybody. We still have about 45 minutes left in the show. Um, I do want to introduce Corey Jones, man. Political consultant, activist. He's uh, at Michigan right now, going to law school. He's working with different. I love. I love the shirt. You're working with different political candidates. Give us kind of the update. You were on a couple weeks ago, but uh, give us the four one one. Yeah, no, I had to put on a, a jacket even in my own room because it's just. Been, oh, it's dude, what is it like there right now, man? What's the weather? Oh. It is, uh, I think it's 20 degrees right now, which actually isn't, uh, isn't too bad uh, relative to a couple of days ago, but yeah, it's just, you can't go. I, I went outside the other day um, and uh, man, I was just shocked with how much snow there was. Um, right. And every single time I see it, I'm shocked because I'm not used to it, you know? And so um, it's a, it's a different world than Texas. That's for sure. And especially Arizona and California where you've lived. So just yeah, it, no, absolutely. And so tell us, tell us what, you know, kind of who you're working, who you're working with, what you're out there doing. I, I know we need to, we need, these midterms are important, man. This yeah. is, this is like getting our, getting our freedoms back, getting America back on the right track. You know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of uh, things to accomplish. So I have worked uh, with a, a social media marketing firm called Yuko Social for the past four years. I'm actually celebrating yeah. four years working there uh, this nice. next month uh, with Michael Condry, um, nice. who was uh, pretty big in the Stop the Steal movement. He was actually one of the uh, co-directors of it, um, entrepreneur, great guy. And so one, one of the things that I've done for the past couple of years is I've run the social media accounts of congressional campaigns, uh, gubernatorial campaigns, political organizations. Um, and right now I'm currently uh, in the operations of a, a, a battleground gubernatorial race. Um, the uh, candidate that I am currently running accounts for is doing very well in polling. And, um, you know, I, I typically can't, uh, 
can't disclose exactly, you know, the names of the people that everyone accounts for because, you know, we have non-disclosure agreements and stuff. Right. And people like to, you know, the whole purpose of our service is to to make you know the public think that these messages are coming from the candidates, which it is, but sure. we're just we're just the proxy. Um, and so we are, yeah, we're doing some pretty good work, and um, we have some more uh, really cool people coming on board uh, uh, with our with our company right now. Um, some, let me just put it this way, some some doctors, I would just say, that have been at the uh, front lines of the fight have uh, recently signed on with us. So um, we're, we're doing some pretty, pretty good work right now. But, you know, it's it's just it's cool to, to play this role um, yeah. because, you know, I, I've I've said before that, uh, you know, we uh, <clears throat> we're in a fight for our country right now. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the reasons why we've we've come to this place with, uh, you know, Biden and Fauci and all these other individuals in government who are imposing these uh, tyrannical mandates on our lives and on our churches is because we've allowed it to happen because we haven't, we haven't, uh, you know, gone out in the activist pool. We haven't been voting the way that we should. We haven't been uh, engaging in our communities. And so, you know, I typically like to practice what I preach. And so I, you know, I've done voter registration work uh, for a long time. I've I've done political consulting work and social media work, and so I try to do what I can to uh, advance the cause and the interests of um, you know American citizens, of people who genuinely love this country. And um, you know that's that's what I'm doing right now. That's what I hope to do in the future. And um, you know, all I yeah, it's like I, I see what happens in, in Canada and other uh, countries across our globe. And, um, you know, that that serves as a source of motivation to me, right, to keep on going, because I don't want what's happening in these countries to happen here. We're right. getting a glimpse of what what could happen, right, in the West and just West, Western society in general. Yeah. So if I can play any part, even a small role in preventing, um, you know, these types of people, these types of ideologies from infiltrating our great country, then that's what I'm going to do. And unfortunately, we've already been infiltrated to a certain extent. But uh, we haven't been completely taken over. There are tens of millions of Americans who see what's happening and who are tired of uh, you know what's been imposed upon them. Even people that voted for Democrats. I've talked to many individuals that say, you know, one of my my biggest regrets this past year is voting for you know what what it is we're enduring right now. Uh, um, and so we there's there's still hope. There's still a chance. There's still a fight. And, uh, you know, we're on the right side of history and we have to tell ourselves that every single day. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what you're doing. That's what all of your other guests are doing. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's just collectively when we come together, we're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So absolutely. And and I got to ask you, sure. what kind of uh, <clears throat> political themes and, you know, kind of ideology is going on at University of Michigan? Are they are they more lenient than a lot of other universities with free speech and with you know kind of keeping it down you know keeping on on a, on a minimal with the do indoctrination or are they pretty intense with the liberal narrative? Um, I, I would say it it really depends on the professor, but in general, right. if we're speaking about the university administration. You know, unfortunately, you cannot be a leader at a large university in the United States nowadays without trying to uh, impose some sort of left left wing ideology upon right. this body. Right. And, um, you know, thankfully, 
you know, this is a public university. And so public universities still have First Amendment protections for, you know, conservative Christian students if they want to, you know, yes. counter protest some of the uh, things that the university is putting on. But I mean, it's it's a lot worse in private universities like, uh, you know, all the Ivy League schools and, plenty, you know, I can go down the, the line with how terrible right. it's been for, for private schools because they don't have any First Amendment protections. But, you know, the, what I'm concerned with is that, you know, even public universities, um, you know, obviously we've we've heard this whole debate before that the First Amendment doesn't protect hate speech. And, um, you know, what, what we're seeing now is that the left is trying to, um, you know, basically expand what it what what constitutes hate speech and so exactly the they're trying to make up their own rules on what they think hate speech is and in reality what hate speech is to them is somebody that doesn't agree with them exactly and so what they're trying to do is they're trying to regulate speech under the guise of you know this is hate this is harmful to, to the community we have a compelling interest in preventing this type of conduct and speech mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, you're exactly right. What they're uh, regulating as hateful speech isn't hateful at all. Saying that I don't want to get vaccinated is not hateful speech. Saying that right. I believe, you know, marriage should be between a man and a woman is not hateful speech. Saying right. that, you know, I believe that, uh, you know, the the riots that came about last summer, or I guess two yeah. a year and a half ago now, through Black Lives Matter, is not hate speech. Right. That is just speech. That's just regular debate. Um, Correct. Throughout the course of our country's history, there's been uh, a lot more rigorous and, and heated debates uh, as opposed to just simply saying things that I just said right now that are actually pretty uncontroversial. Um, and so that's that's what their plan is. They're trying to redefine terms, you know, redefine speech, and they're trying to put it in a box, a box that they control. Um, and, uh, you know, thankfully, uh, we still have protections in this country. We still have certain uh, protections on public university campuses. But I'm telling you, man, if we don't get serious about what's what's happening right now, if we don't, you know, if we don't get out there and, and start voting the right way and start, uh, you know, peacefully protesting and, and um, you know, engaging in political discourse, then, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to have these protections. Um, we've already seen, we've already seen just in the past year and a half, the unthinkable happen in this country. Ten years ago, five years ago, four years ago, if you would have told us that we would be uh, under these strict lockdowns for two years now, that we would be forced right. to take certain vaccinations that people that have sincere religious convictions against, um, you know, had, had to take. I mean, it, it, we wouldn't have believed you, but this is all happening right before our eyes. And, um, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, people people fail to see what, what goes on. People fail to see the, the detrimental policies until it, it actually gets implemented and instituted. And so we have to have some sort of, um, you know, we, we have to essentially predict the future. Um, and we, we can predict the future on the basis of what's happening now. And so, you know, if, if we look at everything that's culminating in our country right now, and we make a reasonable um, you know, if we engage in some sort of a reasonable analysis on the basis of what could happen in the future, um, we have to take that seriously and we have to, we have to act as if these things are really going to culminate and happen. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a scary time. Okay. And, and let me ask you this, you know, isn't it funny? Isn't it interesting 
that the things that are deemed as hate speech in today's society would have been looked at as ludicrous and ridiculous 10 or 20 years ago by either party. I mean, think about it. I mean, the thing that is, is deemed as hate speech right now would be even considered insanity to the Democrats 10 or 20 years ago. And I mean, all this new, all this new radical ideology is just, it's out of control. <laughs> well, the same people classifying certain things as hate speech right. are the people that 10 years ago were saying the exact same things. I mean, exactly. President, President exactly. Barack Obama in 2000. Barack Obama said he didn't believe in gay marriage. He said, I believe that marriage is between one man and one woman about there 12 years ago. And now fast forward to 2022, people in his administration, he himself classify um, you know, individuals who believe in, in traditional marriage as hateful and and uh, yeah. barbaric in a sense, you know? Right. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just, it's crazy to see that that transformation over the last couple of years. And they're just trying to do what's politically convenient to them. Um, right. uh, but, you know, what, I, what I'm concerned with is, um, you know, what's going to happen pretty soon, and we've already seen this happen, is that, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about is essentially... Um, you know, a, a modern take on principles that derive from the Bible, from scripture, For sure. um, you know, just talking about individual liberties and, and uh, freedom of expression and, yes. um, and uh, you know, traditional marriage and pro-life issues. All of these things are, are modern issues, but they're principles that derive from well-founded, you know, biblical sources. And so yeah. what, what's going to happen next is they're going to classify individuals that are preaching these things that derive from the Bible at the pulpit as, uh, you know, purveyors of hate speech. And so what's going to happen pretty soon is we're going to see government infiltrate the church in a way that we have not seen in Western society since its, since its creation. Um, we are going to see a third world type government, you know, infiltrate the church and regulate speech and religion in ways that our founding fathers would have thought is unthinkable. And, you know, the doctrine of separation of uh, church and state is actually not found in the Constitution. It's rather a doctrine that's developed over time through court decisions and also, you know, Federalist Papers and things like that. It's sort of been ingrained in, into our uh, into our system. Um, and so when people hear separation of church and state, what they typically mean is that people who have religious convictions can't hold a position in government while right. also espousing those religious convictions at the same time. Um, that's actually not what it means. Um, what separation of church and state, the, the doctrinal position is, is that government simply cannot impose its will, impose its policies on the church body. It is perfectly permissible and okay for people that have religious convictions to hold places of public office. In fact, every single one of our founding fathers, every single one of our, our presidents up until a couple years ago um, held uh, religious convictions. And yeah. so what's encouraging is, and this is why the Republican Party has strayed away over the past 10, 20 years, is because we have so many quote-unquote conservatives um, who want to, uh, you know, keep their religious convictions in the church and their political positions in government, when really those two should coincide. And so we need more people, because ultimately, if you think think about this, does Ilhan Omar leave her religious beliefs at the door whenever she goes into Congress? Never. She's, yeah. a, she's, a, she's open about it. She goes and brags about it. She rubs it in people's faces. And she knows the evil behind behind her religion. She already knows. 
Rashida Tlaib and even and, and even people like AOC, which AOC isn't religious, but you know she she, she embraces Sharia. She yeah she she embraces Sharia and she also embraces a secular religion in a sense. You know a, a um you know it's still a prevailing worldview. Like she's just really big into this you know, Green New Deal stuff and critical race theory. And that's essentially her religion, right? And so right. even though there isn't a holy book that tells her, you know, what to do, it's still an ideology that directs um, that directs her every decision in Congress. And so what's different between that and holding, uh, you know, uh, Judeo-Christian perspectives? There is no difference. Um, it's still a prevailing worldview, and it's impossible to separate your worldview from your decisions, quite frankly. But Republicans have been so afraid to be called, you know, all these different names and, and uh, you know, to be accused of imposing, uh, you know, their Christian worldview on society that they've just kept their religious views at the door. And that's not what we should be doing. We should be, we should be electing guests like you've had tonight who are not only not ashamed of their uh, religious perspectives and Christian worldview, but want to institute um, a lot of those policies that derive from their religious worldviews into government. And that's perfectly permissible, right? As long, I mean, the only thing that's not permissible is saying that you have to do this because I'm a Christian. You know, you have to go to church and you can't, you know, do certain things because of my religious beliefs. That's not permissible. But what is permissible is, um, you know, an elected official going into a, a government position and saying, you know, because I believe these things, I'm not going to do X. And so if a Christian, for instance, was in Dr. Fauci's position, what he would say is that my religious beliefs, my script, my, my deeply held scriptural beliefs do not allow me to institute these types of decisions and force these types of mandates upon individuals. And so in, in all actuality, what deeply held religious beliefs do more often than not is actually act as a restraint, not as a source of imposition. And so I think we have to look at that as a good thing. And so elect more Christian politicians, I would say. So. Very, very well said, man. You, you'll make one hell of a lawyer. I want to say that. Um, I, I do got to ask you, though, because I know you, I know you got to run here in a second, but I want to ask you, as somebody that's in law school, as somebody that's learning a lot of you know, you're, you're well above your time. You're well advanced. I know that for a fact. But in terms of Trump's new social media platform, do you see the masters of the universe, also known as big tech, <laughs> shutting him down? I mean, because let's face it, Corey, Trump is a very small person in the tech world compared to Jack Dorsey or Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos. I mean, the, and these people, let's face it, they're not pro-Trump. They're globalists. They, they don't want him having a platform. They don't want him having a narrative. They know he reaches massive amounts of people. Apple and Google can easily reject his app from the app store, just like they did with Parler, Bongino's deal. I don't, I don't know what's – I'm curious, though, because this, this could get yeah. really interesting. Your thoughts? Yeah, so um, I, commend, um, I commend Trump uh, uh, for, for taking this step. Um, he's definitely the man to do it if it if there is Absolutely. a man to do it. However, um, I am wildly unoptimistic about uh, you know the advancement of his platform because ultimately, right. um, Truth Social is beholden 
to a different, you know, it, it's beholden to the app store. It's, it's beholden to Google. It's beholden to all of these other platforms that are controlled by these yeah. same actors that control Twitter, yes. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. And so it exactly so ultimately what's going to happen is that there are going to be people, there are going to be individuals that go on truth social, just like they have on, on Gab and parlor and on getter. And yep. what's going to happen is the app store is going to give Trump a dilemma. You either kick these people off your platform <laughs> and you regulate this type of speech, or we're going to take your app off the app store. And so yeah. this is why this is, and this is this, um, gosh, I hate, I honestly hate libertarians because every single time that there's a problem, their answer is the free market, right? You know, it's like, you can right. just go create right. your own app. You can go create your own Google. Well, yeah. we're trying to create our own yeah. apps and look what's happening. Okay. We have at a certain point, we have to use, we have to use government to regulate these issues. Um, because you know, it's like, What's worse? Is it is it worse? So if government regulates or excuse me, if, if big tech regulates our speech, but government doesn't, is that some somehow worse than regulating our speech? No, it's not. At the end of the day, we have some large corporate entity regulating our speech. I don't care if it's government or Twitter, but what government's supposed to do protect us from these large corporate actors regulating our speech. And so I am wildly unoptimistic that Trump can make this work because he's going to be forced into a corner. He's going to have to make a decision just like all the other social media platforms have done. Um, but you know, I, um, I'm, I'm going to get on the platform. I'm going to give it a shot and it works out, but we need in the same way that your last guest talked about with Amazon, right? We need yeah. government to step in and some people may say, well, that's kind of hypocritical, you know, cause that's not very, uh, a small government of you. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't, I don't care. Okay. I I've never been that much of a small government anyways. I really care about, you know, the people that are in charge of government because ultimately whoever's in power is going to use, utilize government to advance their interests and in whatever capacity you know, they want. And so we might as well, if we're going to be in power, we might as well use government for our interests and protecting our interests and protecting the public. And so we need to have people that are in positions of power that, that not only talk the talk, but walk the walk and use government to protect our interests um, in the private sector. Because if we don't, these large monopolies are going to form and do exactly what, what a tyrannical government would do. So, and that is silent speech. So, it, it's so. so true, Corey. Corey, I always I love that. having you. With, I always love having you with us. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. You're cut, Corey. You're cutting out. Yeah, find on Twitter at the Corey. Um, shoot me a message. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. At the Corey, right? Can, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah sorry, I can my, hear you now. So talking. at the Corey, right? Yeah, at the Corey on Twitter. There you go. You got it. Perfect, man. It's well, let's her. get you back soon. Uh, I love. I always. I always love having you here, man. Thank you. No problem, man. Good to see you. Good to see you too, my friend. We'll talk to you soon, Corey Jones, everybody from Michigan. Thank you. Um, I do want to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us. We have U.S. congressional candidate from Florida. We have Eric Oglier with us. Eric, what's up, buddy? How are you? 
Hey, how's it going, Rory? Thank you very much for having me again. Appreciate that. Good, man. What's new? Give us the 411. Give us the update. What's new in your life? What are you working on? What What's the latest? Well, I'm Eric Aguilar running for Congress in Florida's 4th Congressional District, which is uh, east side of Duval, Nassau County, and St. John's County, St. Augustine, Bernardino Beach, and Jacksonville. Those are um, so it's it's a lot of things going on. Of course, we're we're always a fight uh, against the rhinos. Uh, yeah. Always looking at the Democrats. We're having a special election here uh, for city council, and uh, people are really moving, 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 uh, which is great to go ahead and see that there is a a good interest for the local elections because this is gonna basically determine a lot of the the policies that are coming to the local government. Um, here we're in a free state, which is great. Thank you, Ron, Governor DeSantis, for keeping it free and uh, keeping the legislature in check. In a sense that you know, let's keep this, uh, let's keep it free. Um, you know, there's a uh, man. So many things that are always going on, Rory. So I'm glad to listen to some of your guests, some of the issues uh, that keep happening. And you know, it all comes down to of how can we keep our country free? How can we keep it long lasting? Um, look at what's even happening in Canada. Canada's insane that they have to do all these emergency powers, especially Canada. Canada, sometimes call it the northern U.S., but it's not really that bad. But to use to that extent over hardworking um, people that they just want to work. It's yeah. like, I'm in a truck by myself. Why should I get vaccinated? And look what's everything happening now with vaccination. They're like, oh, they're relaxing all these rules and everything. I wonder why. Because they yeah. know. They know that a lot of these things, it was a, a political play. And it still will be a political play. And that's what sometimes that I'm looking at in the 2022 midterms um, with state and um, federal elections, that this will be a very uh, interesting play. Because I know in Florida, we're, we're having the governor, we're having the senator race also. And that's going to be a parallel in a way of how it's going to go. But again, with, with the issues, uh, I'm glad to see good groups like Moms for Liberty basically say, you know, you know, stop yeah. masking our kids and people rising up. I think that this has been a, a really good turnout for people to start looking at what's happening and right. more people speaking now, which it should be. We shouldn't just stay quiet because when we stay quiet, we don't do nothing. We are enabling the left. We're enabling yeah. communism. We're enabling socialism. So we have to stand up. And that's one of the things that I would say as Americans that separates us so much from other countries is that we will definitely do something about it. You know, I love yeah. it. I love, I love this country. Yeah. And Eric, you know, we got to understand is that I think an investigation really needs to be put forth um, for all the people that got the vaccines. I mean, all these politicians said it's urgent. You got to get it. Now we're seeing everything lifted and it was, it, it almost seems, I mean, what we assumed all along, you know, people, people like you and I make big farmer richer. It's about power. It's about control. It was never about the health. It was never about the wellness. If anything, it's going to do more harm to somebody's body. And there needs to be investigations because this is, it's, I mean, all of a sudden trust the science just stops. It just stops in blue states because of midterms. I mean, how how is that not as evil as it ever gets? This was all about an agenda, political, getting cronies and their monopolies richer and richer. I, I, I just it's it's mind blowing. It really is. No, you you are you're correct. There's a lot of things that go on, and you know you like to stop. I do like to do some structuring too. 
because people are out there, your listeners, look at Pfizer and look at Moderna, look at their earnings report yes. and look at the year over year. Last year, last cycle, Moderna, I think they only made 130 something million in a quarter, a year over year, they made $4.6 billion. It's what a miracle a year over year. It's, it's so, ridiculous. You know, follow the money. Yeah. And yeah. Pfizer, Pfizer made yeah, Pfizer's projection is like over 50 billion with a B this year. Pfizer, uh, like you said, Moderna has made a fortune. Um, look at the C the, I forget which CEO the other day, um, sold a bunch of his shares and completely deleted his Twitter. It was either the Pfizer CEO or the Moderna CEO, but a lot of shady shit is going on with big pharma and there needs to be people that get to the bottom of it because it's, it's, it's like the whole vaccine narrative is all of a sudden going away. And it was, it was this urgent state of emergency. But we saw the Super Bowl was played in California where it was supposed to be, you know, this crazy, you know, virus going on. But it's all phony. You're cut. Silence. It's silent. I don't know what's going on with the connection. The connection is left. I think it's the connection. Call call back in. Call back in. Let me see. I'm going to introduce Eric. Eric, call back in. I'll get him back on. I think there's a connection issue. Hold on. Eric, are you there? Eric. I do want to introduce to the show Dr. Ro Pastor Rodney Evans. What's up? How are you, my friend? Hey, man, I'm doing good. How are you doing today? I'm doing this well. Has, I want to get your thoughts on everything. I want to I want to hear your input. It has been really good. Um, I've really enjoyed the program today. A lot of information if people just listen to it. Uh, you know, a couple of the ministers talked and also Corey uh, about ministers speaking up and saying stuff. As you know, I've been saying stuff for years now. Uh, to the point that people would talk about me. They would come back and call me a racist. Uh, they would come back and say, well, you need to preach the word because Jesus was a socialist. And I would go back and say, the Bible says if a man don't work, he don't eat. Right. So that kind of ended that conversation with him. But if you go back to the uh, our independence, it's because ministers spoke up. Yeah. And that's who uh, the British was afraid of. I mean, ministers would have their black robes on. They would uh, share their Sunday message, and then they would lead their men out to fight. Uh, all of this lockdown, everything that's happened is, is to try to silence the uh, conservatives, silent ministers from talking to their congregation, which thank God for YouTube and other things that people did do. Um, but it, it stopped people from saying things that they could have said to their congregation and talked to their congregation even after service some. I, uh, as you know, big tech, I had 60 some thousand followers on uh, Twitter under Rodney Evans. I went back and I sent another email to them telling them that their, their response back to me, they had been, they had taken me off because of multiple uh, situations. And I went back and told them, I said, no, I said, one of my tweets that I sent was the same thing that Cruz sent that Jack got on television and said, nobody should have been taken off for that or penalized for that. I said, the other two things that you all said I did, you come back and told me that you were sorry, it was your fault. 
So I've asked them to reinstate Rodney Evans. So we'll see if they do it. I, you know, big tech can be good uh, in some ways yeah. uh, because it helps you get the message out. It helps me get right. a message out. Uh, but also if they're going to limit and like they have been on one side, it hurts really the message of everybody on Twitter. I don't argue with people. Well, Rodney Evans, uh, when I did, had that one, I didn't argue with people. I just block and go on. I'm not going to argue with people. There's no right. reason to do that. Right. I shared my thought. If they want to argue, they can argue with someone else. I don't have time for that nonsense. Um, there's just so much going on. You, you know, we talked about the Hillary thing. Uh, they said for four or five years, all, the whole time Trump was in about Russia, now we all know it's a lie. We knew it then. We know it now. Uh, I hope something happens, but you don't know if anything ever is going to happen with that. I, I believe and hope they are. I heard yesterday that some people preparing, uh, I know I'm jumping around, but uh, some people are preparing for uh, gas prices to get the $7 a gallon. Insanity. You're talking about destroying. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? It destroy our economy. It, you know, somebody and I retweeted and reshared it uh, on other social media. Uh, somebody said, if you spend, I think it's twenty seven fifty a day, which if you look at gas prices and food prices, an average family spot probably spending that a day, that's $10,000 a year. And Biden said that he was not going to tax the middle class. That's who it hurts. Everything's going on right now is hurting the middle class. He's not helped one person that I know of. And no. I always put out, and I have a, uh, a skeleton there, these fingers tapping it, said, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for someone to brag on Psycho Joe. Just somebody, please. He needs somebody to brag on him. I can't find nobody. Not even people that voted for him wants to wants to brag on him any. I just, he, we've come to a society that everybody's so offended by words. It's like the mean tweet. Yes. The mean tweets are worse in some people's eyes and, and actually more people than we think's eyes than actual policy. Actual people want people would rather certain people would rather pay more money at the gas pump, more money for groceries than listen than he than read mean tweets every day. I mean, this is the kind of, you know, petty society that we live in. Well, we cost a lot of it by giving trophies to people that should not have won them. Yeah. Consolation trophies and, and we a lot of people my age hate to say it has caused this i would i got bad when you know my sons played sports yes. and i would get mad if they got a trophy and they didn't earn it right why would you give somebody a trophy didn't earn it you're teaching them bad habits it's true it's true and and right now we we have that yeah uh the bible says faith without works is dead so let me just jump on that just for a second you know we can set and have faith that God's going to move. And I believe we need to pray. I need, we believe we all need to spend time in prayer, uh, reading our Bible and those things. Uh, it's, as you know, as a pastor, that's important. Absolutely. Um, but faith without works, we got right. to have some works. We've got to be speaking up. We got to be saying something and not just sit in our closet and praying. And right. the Bible's playing on that, on that too. Yeah. So, I encourage people, people's got to start speaking up. They've got to begin to say something. Oh, it's going to be hard to recover in a couple more years. It's going to be hard for, and it's going to take years for this country right now to recover unless we see the move of God to recover from what we're experiencing right now. It's just, hey, it's mind blowing. You're absolutely right. Eric, I'll get your thoughts. Yeah. We, I mean, 
looking at the inflationary, looking at these gas prices, you know, we're, we're insane. And look what happened in, in only one year. You know, we, we all want people. I think every conservative would yeah. there saying, hey, you know, this is, is going to happen. Don't get uh, the guy has been in. In government for forty years, seven years, he hasn't done anything. You think he's gonna do, do something now? No, he's not. Right. Right. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And, and it's just, it's... He's never gonna do anything. Let's keep destroying the the. You know, now now what? It's like when Congress, you know, in twenty will be one of those things that is gonna be, um, basically people with us and looking at that. Look, we're gonna stop this thing because this is going down south very bad. And look at the great policies um, that was put by by President Trump. You know, they were all demolished. They were all taken away. And guess what happened? We started having all this stuff. Even if you look at it, even the nonsense when it comes with COVID and its height and all that stuff, you notice that products didn't have that much inflation. It was not even that. We're not even at the height, really. You know, and we're even in 2021 when we started turning, um, coming into the you know, the, the new year, you know, it wasn't really even that bad. All of a sudden with the bad policies um, right. that Joe Biden his administration, of course, you know, you have the news media that they are a culprit and and basically accessory to the fact. And that's very damn shameful because that's one of the things when uh, I know when President Trump starts fake news, fake news, it's like a lot of us like, oh, yeah, we knew that. But we didn't really know to the extent that fake news was. And oh, if yeah. you even look at the narrative, and all these uh, stories that they put out there, and uh, they didn't even cover even the Durham report. The Durham report, what, what was some of the findings was very, very critical to know because it's very dangerous. It's not because it was just so much about President Trump or uncovering that. It's the fact that the malicious actions done within internal the government, even for the sitting president, that happened, how long have they been spying? What's going on with this? Where do we have the break? Where are the leaks? Who are the people? That are all of a sudden they're going rogue, uh, that they're just trying to spy out of their own uh, diff- their own accord, which is not legal. It is not their government; it's our government. They work for us. They're not supposed to be doing this stuff, and that's what we live in America: free uh, right to privacy, in that sense. And now all this is violated, and all of a sudden the news didn't even cover this. I think CNN only yeah. had like two minutes. Everybody else didn't cover it, and this is very, very critical. But then if you look right. at when they're saying Watergate, oh, my God, this is the biggest scandal. This was nothing compared to, to what even yeah. happened. This was even worse. And exactly. no one would cover it. And, you right. know, even we're looking at that and things that are happening with China, even with Russia, it's amazing how the news, they just covered things up. And now we kind of look at it. So that's why I'm glad that we have, you know, good concerns yourself to have a show to give everybody a platform so that way we can be heard and, and actually not stop. Because, again, when we stop, and we don't do nothing, we're enabling them, and we accept that. But we're not going to accept that. We accept freedom. We accept America. And the good God, he's always been uh, in, our, in our graces, and know he's always going to guide us. For sure. And, and we see what Trump created in terms of opening people's eyes to what the fake news media is really about. If Trump would have never came along, we would still be misled in more ways than we could ever imagine by the fake news media he really came in and made so many improvements and really kind of, like I said, I mean, if it wasn't for him, we'd still be the normal politician 
scenario. We'd still be fed all this bullshit, you know, and I think also social media has made things complicated with putting out fake, fake information and, you know, stuff like that. But exactly, (laughs) exactly. And it's, there are so many people, there are so many people that are going away from mainstream media. CNN's ratings collapsed by 80% this, this, this year. I mean, MSNBC is way down. Uh, you know, people want independent, people want independent media. People want media that doesn't have a narrative that is not on any sort of agenda. Yeah. And, and that goes to show you, and you know, the interesting part about having all those liberal channels, those are liberals tuning out and they're just tired of it. Right. You know, right. and one of the biggest things that we need to do as conservatives is always talk to our neighbors, talk to our friends, talk to our coworkers, tell them why are we conservatives? Yes. That's something that I don't see. I don't even see a lot of elected officials even talk, goes to those neighborhoods that we may not be like. But the reason why is that when we shun people and we don't really tell our story, then that gets even worse. So I'm thinking that that's something that we need to do even more as a whole unit to basically show this is one conservative. You like those gas prices? We don't. You right. like those high taxes? We don't. This is right. what we're for. We're not. We're basically keeping you free. Right. You have, we are for school choice. We don't right. want to get stuck in a bad school. Do you want your kid not to succeed? We want them to have right. the right education. Do you want them to be brainwashed with CRT nonsense and all this other stuff? Because the reality is with all this racial aspect, it's mostly fueled by politics and people and elites with power because the average True. person doesn't really think that way. It, and it's really interesting. When I when I retired from the military in 2016, we never saw color. We all treated each other. We were one team, one fight. And even working out outside of, of the Navy as a professor and doing a consulting, never seen that. But when you go into politics, all of a sudden, you start right. seeing all this nonsense. And this is where we have to actually all uh, come down to earth and be like, that's yeah. not the way we are. Right. We accept everyone for who they are. And, you know, yeah. and that's one thing that really, really ticked me off with about Biden saying that the Supreme Court nominee is going to be a black woman. You know how how... It's so, ra- it's, so racist that is it's so racist to say that. It is because if I was I'm a Hispanic and if I wanted to be a Supreme Court judge one day, I'm right. basically out of the running automatically, but but not by my skills and not by my performance and what I know, just because of my gender and the color of my skin that I'm not black. That is so wrong at all levels, and I can't believe that that was even an acceptable statement in the media that even come after. Imagine President Trump said that. Everybody will be going all crazy. This is the the unfairness that is happening all around and we can, and everyone needs to stand open. And I'm hoping we see a lot of walk away from the Demo, from those that are Democrat voters to the Republican party, because that Democrat party, I think is just a communist party. Right. That's all that is now. It's just socialist communism. And it's just, basically just straight up, or you could just call it the lying party because they just lie all the time. Yeah. And I can't believe that um, people are falling for that. But I think now they're seeing with their eyes that are like, wait a minute, what the heck is going on? And they took two, they took two years away from us that we can never get back. They took away our lives and it, it's, it's disgusting. It really is. I mean, it, it's, yeah. you know, I mean, there, there's been nothing that the Democrats have done in these past couple of years that have benefited their constituents in any sort of scenario. You know, all they've done is more harm, harm, harm. Harm and hate. 
that's Harvard what they have produced. Yeah, so that, that's all that is, and I'm I'm hoping more people will open up their eyes and start to see all of the the things that are going on and actually yeah. vote the right way now and let's get the country back on its rail, take back America. Yeah, and you know what I find weird? I, I haven't really talked about this much on the show, but we look at how China was behind this virus and we look at how China released TikTok right when the virus was happening. And TikTok, if people don't understand, there, there's, and I knew this a long time ago, but TikTok picks up on people's body movements, people's facial expressions, mm -hmm. people's mannerisms. That's why they have all these different trends. So what China's doing is not only did they send a virus our way to destroy our, our civilization, they're also stealing, you know, our, our, so many parts of our body with our antics, with our mannerisms, with these mm -hmm. machines that they're building. They are more advanced and people, you know, jumped on that trend like it was this big popular thing without realizing what this is going to do in the long term. Yeah. And there's so many things that are unanswered. Like now the CDC from the swab, they're collecting people's DNA that they took tests with uh, from the COVID, which I knew all along. If they're taking, you know, the swab and, and they're, taking your D, they're taking your DNA from a test, they're using it for something. And we're finding that out now. And all these unexplained deaths from the vaccines and all these things that are happening, people getting these long-term health conditions. I, I'm just, I'm really, it's, it's really atrocious. No, it is. It is. And this is the thing that it, it's really insane um, because China, and look of course, at Bob Saget, for instance, a guy that was I mean, I could give many examples, but and young soccer players having heart attacks. But Bob Saget's autopsy saying that it, it looked mm -hmm. like he got hit with a baseball. Ba what? Yeah. what? I mean, I, he, he had the vax. He had the booster about, a, I think, about a few weeks prior. So, I mean, I'm not going to say it was the vaccine 100 percent, but let's just say there is a lot of unexplained deaths lately. And it does, and nobody can really figure out what what's going on. Yeah, and they won't even release the report for what was exactly. the cause of death. You know, that, so exactly. that's kind of that was very strange that they're not going to release it. But that's one of the things that we're looking at because one of the things, you know, when um the elected to Congress is going to be looking at these investigations of what yes. is really happening, especially yes. the bureaucracy within the government. You know, the Fauci, Fauci should have been gone a long time ago. Long President time Trump ago, fired him. And look how long he's been in government. We don't oh, need people to grow roots in government. If yeah. he's a real doctor and he's really practicing, he should have been out there practicing instead of just being in the government. But no, you know he's not. It's more like a bureaucrat. We need yeah. to get these people out. We need to yeah. keep and hold China accountable for what happened because yeah. we know there's going to be other variants. They're going to try yeah. to do it. Chinese, uh, the CCP, they're not friendly people. They're out for just a couple of things. And yes. it's not to be our friend. It's right. not to go ahead and do good things for her. They're about money and power. They yep. always have been that way, but now they're just increasing their ex expansion with it. And they know they got sleepy Joe Biden. That's why Russia's doing all this other stuff because they know they're not going to do anything. For you sure. know, Biden, he's he's weak. Look at him. He just looks weak. He's, yeah, he's out of it. I <laughs> mean, the guy is, I just, so I don't world, even know. That's what, what do you think when we have President Trump? President Trump, yeah. he was there. He was strong. And yeah. nobody messed with him. He was like right. his big bodyguard. He's like, you ain't messing with America. You right. ain't going to do that. And everybody's like, okay, we're backing away. And now we have this right. flimsy, you know, guy that he doesn't really can't do anything. And people are like, oh, we're going to run over this one. So they're, they're trying more. And that is not good because we do need a strong figure. We need somebody yeah. that had the decision, you know, and yeah. Trump won.
you know, Trump won. That's the bottom line. There is no way that this low energy barely right. could get out of the basement person all of a sudden just wins. Come on. And look at the domestic distraction that Biden has created with trying to go to war. As a veteran yourself, you probably think this Russia-Ukraine thing is a disgrace. It, it is, because if you look at it, nobody cared about Ukraine before. Exactly. Nobody did, except exactly. Biden with, you know, putting his son in, in his, you know, yeah, no, hunter, no yeah. experience yeah, with, you know, going to yeah. Ukraine and all this other stuff. Yeah. Nobody cared. That's why even Wall Street is very disappointed how Wall Street's even playing games with this. But at the end yeah. of the day, there wasn't really anything that, that important that was there in Ukraine. Otherwise, we would have been there a long time ago True. at the end of the day. And so... But then this is also going to leave a path for China and Taiwan. It's going to leave a path for other things because now they're going to start to show that there's there's not going to be anyone else that's going to be able to, to stop them. And this is what one of the things that you know we can all agree. I think even liberals can now agree that when President Trump was there in the White House, that nobody messed with us. We had more security. They, we had so much security that they were out there crossing the, the streets and then even, you know, they were free to do. Only in a free country can you go out on the streets and protest. Look at even Trudeau did in Canada. People right. are protesting. What did he did? He did all the emerging power, started arresting people. Then we were freezing their bank accounts. They were doing all this tyrannical methods and just people that are just trying to assemble and basically say, no, we don't need a vaccine. And this is supposed to be you know, a first world country. Yeah. And look what they did. He did emerging power. He, could, he wouldn't even negotiate. He wouldn't even talk to, to the organizers, see what they could do to help out. No. And this is what's going to keep happening. And we yeah. need to go ahead and stop it. We cannot let our country fall. We are our founding fathers worked too hard to create yeah. a system that will yeah. benefit, you know, all of us and our generations. And we need to go ahead and protect it. And that's what I'm here running for Congress. And because I don't see in the district a representative that are doing that. So somebody has to step to the plate. So duty calls again, Rory. I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to getting you in DC. We need you there. How how do people donate? How do people connect with you? All that good stuff. Well, my donation area is right there on my website and it's Eric for Congress, E-R-I-C-K-F-O-R Congress.com. You can find all the information there. It's got links to my Twitter, it's got links to my Facebook. I'm America First candidate, a real America First candidate. Always been a firm believer uh, on this country. I know every time I deployed. And I went to another country. I was like, oh, I love the USA. Can I go back already? Uh, but you can find me there. All the issues, please feel to, to reach out. At the end of the day, this is for all of us. So we can have a country that our children can grow up and their children can grow up and their children can grow up. And we keep belonging because we are the last country in a sense standing in this, in this world that is actually keeping sanity in, in the whole world. And we must protect it. Absolutely. Eric, very well said. I always love having you with us. Uh, we'll get you back here very soon. Uh, we got a few minutes left in the show. Um, Pastor, I want to go to you. Pastor, your your thoughts. I just, I like I said, I think the show has been awesome tonight. Yeah. And people need to listen. It's full of information that people need to sit back and listen to probably more than just one time. They probably need to listen to it over and over again because it has a lot of good stuff. You've had a lot of good guests on there today, uh, on the program today that I think that's uh, quality that you don't even hear sometimes on well-known shows. So I wanna give you uh, a shout out today and let you know that you've done a good job putting something together today. 
and everybody cares about you and we all appreciate you. Thank you. And I, I want to ask you, what's, what's the biggest thing you're focusing on in terms of headline, this whole Durham thing? Is that, is that your main focus? Well, you've got the Russia thing that that's kind of sticking up there that you have with the earlier guest. Uh, war is not a good thing. And yeah. I do think that the Democrats want war to get our minds off of everything that's going on in this country. And I don't think it will get everything. I think it'll make things worse. Right. And then the, the Hillary thing. I mean, I think that's something that we need to look at. The news media is not pushing it. It's going to take people like us pushing it. It's going to take, uh, you know, other people to get it out and tell people truly what's going on. And like I put out the other day, I believe a lot of people's realizing everything Trump said is true. It is. Everything. It is. And he, and here's the thing, Rod, Pastor, is that. You can call me Rodney. Yeah. If we, if we go, if we go to war. If we go to war, when does it end? I mean, is it, and we all see how these things play out. There's no, there really is no end game. I mean, it, it it's just reckless nonsense, gibberish, and it, 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 you know, and a lot of people look at it on TV as entertainment. I mean, it's just a distraction. It's people's kids. Yeah, I know. And, and like your early, and like your earlier guest said, the rich people are not going to send their kids. It's going to be the people. Yeah like my kids, which my kids are older now, but it's going to people that's got kids 18, 19, 20 years old that has no way of making finances for their family. Uh, so that's who's going to go. And it's sad that we live in that state that we do have the, the well-off people, which again, I'm with you, I, I'm for term limits. I think that we need those because I think people's perspectives would be a little different if they knew they had to go back and they did not be able to make those decision in a couple of years. Uh, Agreed. A country's in a mess and it's going to take us being vocal. It's going to take us praying. And I wonder, I wonder, I want to see indictments. I want to see people in jail. I want to see impeachments. I want to see real, I want the GOP to stop being a bunch of wimps and I want them to stop doing political theater and I want them to do their damn job. Ever since Trump left, they've, they've been hiding. I mean, they, they've done nothing. They're silence. They're silent as a damn mouse. It's like Trump, Trump had to do everything for them. They don't do anything on their own. They're like little children. At least, at least the Democrats may be dirty, uh, Rodney, but at least they fight. At least they fucking get in. At least they get in there. Excuse my French. And they, they they do the dirty work. They actually they punch. They punch. They punch. What have we done? Nothing. We sit there taken. like spineless cowards. Yeah. You know what I think it is? I think Republicans are scared with all the with, with. I mean, I think some of them just don't care. But I think some are scared of backlash with the hostile environment that we're currently living in. Well, but a lot of it is the, the environment we're living in is because what the Democrats created when Trump was in there. They lied completely about him the whole time he was in there. Yeah. Black Lives Matter went crazy. Yeah. Uh, now we're fa- finding out they don't know where the money went. Well, we kind of know where the money went. They went back to the political people, Democrat Party. We, we know where it went. Yep. Uh, but they created every bit of that to cause chaos in this country and try to blame Trump for it. And I've said this before. Every single thing they've done over the last 12, 14, 15 years or longer, Everything they said, everything they have said the Republicans are doing or Trump was doing, they have been doing it, and they're doing it now. They're doing it this very moment. Yeah. It, it's evil. What's going on in this country right I'm seeing right now is evil, and it's going to take us being vocal 
and it's going to take us uh, speaking up and pray. It's going to, I mean, it all has to be coupled together with prayer, Absolutely. but we're going to have to be vocal. I agree. Um, Pastor, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you, where they can get involved, all that good stuff. Most social media is Rodney Evans. Uh, we started a YouTube channel uh, for camping, and you can find that on Twitter. It's We're On Our Way To. On Facebook, We're On Our Way, and that is spelled T-W-O at the end in Facebook. On uh, uh, Twitter, it's just the number two. And everything else, Rodney Evans Ministries. You can see Real Life Discussion with Pastor Rodney over there, which is our YouTube channel. And I just found out today that uh, we do a podcast uh, for ministry, and Spotify and uh, Apple both have put that on theirs. So I didn't know that until today. So uh, so you can go over to Rodney Evans Ministries for all of our uh, .org for all of our ministry stuff, then our other YouTube channel that we're really trying to grow. And just like you, you know, we're watching this uh, program. People need to support it. They need to support your your youtube channel which is where this is coming from they need to support my youtube channel as uh for ministry and also for uh camping because conservatives need to speak stick together we need to speak sure. stick together during this time absolutely absolutely and i always love having you with us and uh we'll definitely you get you back we'll get you back on the next one um it's uh, been a fantastic show tonight um i want to thank everybody for tuning in uh, I do have a couple things to announce. Everybody, visit getyourappbuilt.com today for a free quote. Um, lots of great things happening there. I also want to mention my new media site uh, will be released here in the coming days. So stay tuned for that. We have several different new podcasts that will be on there, TV shows, 24-7 breaking news coverage. You name it, we have it. And uh, I, I just can't wait. Been working on it for a long time. And um, yeah, I, I, I will say uh, it is an honor to have another day, another episode on the Rory Sodder Show. Episode 10. We are back. We are alive. We are bigger than ever before. And I can't wait to share more on our future plans. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. I hope it's tremendous. I hope it's fantastic. I love you all, and I will see you all next week. But until then, I'm Rory Sodder. Cheers, everybody.